As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. The construction of the dream. Nine to noon. Personal foul. Clipping. Time for two more. Big boy's back! Hold on to your butt. I love it, baby! Woo! You like that? You like that? The drought ends at Mercedes-Benz. Here we go. Talker Tuesday, 9 to noon. Paul Allen. FM 100.3, the van. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. GCO tomorrow. I'm about to go, and then you'll know for me to stay. I got to be me. Rookies and QBs today. Smile. Veterans bang on Saturday. Techie in studio today. Florio 935. Dumba on his fat deal today. Beautiful outside. Sports message sharing leader, the nine to noon radio show. Good morning. A psychedelic start this Tuesday. When you shake me again, I hope that you have been the kind of person you really are now. Feeling kind of sly. Let's do it now. What's up? Happy Talker Tuesday to you. Welcome back, Nordo. Good morning. This week in Vikings football, quarterbacks and rookies convene in Egan to commence the reconstruction of the dream. So, uh, what's in store for the Minnesota Vikings this season? Uh, we have plenty of time to talk that out. Will it lead to the first Super Bowl victory in the history of said squad? That would be very Nirvana-like for many of us, including the duo making up the Talker Tuesday team 
at FM 100.3 The Fam and the Brian Heating and Cooling Studios. Nine to noon broadcast live from Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center tomorrow. There we will see coaches and quarterbacks and rookies and rocks and birds and plants and things. We will be on the west side of the practice fields, which undoubtedly will be perfectly groomed for rookies and quarterbacks. And then the veterans begin to bang on Saturday. And 9 to noon will be at Vikings training camp next week, Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. A sneak peek at hump day 9 to noon. Latavius Murray joins us tomorrow to share memories of a person of whom he was very fond, the late, great Tony Sperano. Uh, the Burke bit will be on the radio show tomorrow, but that's all tomorrow to commemorate a very joyous time of the year. This is a very important week for all involved. Obviously, with a massive distraction into said week, given the death of offensive line coach Tony Sperano. But the quarterbacks and the rookies meet today, begin practicing tomorrow. First, the quarterbacks. Brian Quick goes in motion, right to left. Cousins play action. Wheels, going to throw it deep, looking for Vernon Davis, caught at the five, and it's a Redskins touchdown! (laughs) How about that? Hey, they should just take a shot to the end zone, shouldn't they, Doc? And they get a corner out to Vernon Davis on a bootleg. Yes, check it out. Check the end zone. Vernon Davis, finally going to do do a celebration. (laughs) It is a jump shot. Free throw converted by Vernon Davis as the Redskins tack on a touchdown, 26-3. Oh, so joyous. Uh, ESPN 980, the Redskins radio network. Kirk Cousins is the A topic, and high-level performances from him will be required all season. There will be bad throws, but there cannot be a string of bad games. So there are myriad questions surrounding the new Vikings quarterback that we will get into now, tomorrow, and quite honestly, the rest of our lives. Because we can watch all 22. We can watch back Washington Redskins games. We can glean the statistical equity. We can admire the 3-84 and promised. We can listen to those in the know sharing what the expectations are. But until the cliched bullets fire in the proverbial reconstruction of the dream, quite honestly, we have no idea what the cuz buzz looks like until we tee it up against the San Francisco 49ers in early September. First question that I will be posing today and for the rest of our lives. How well does Kirk Cousins handle pressure? How does he handle the heat? When something goes amiss, what is Kirk Cousins' personality like? We know when those in the nation's capital, Davey, did not provide him with the either promised money, extended deal, long-term situation he and his family coveted, and he performed well, we would get the loquacious nature of the quarterback walking to the locker room screaming, you like that, you like that. So when things are going well and he is ascending the mean, we know he's a pretty fired-up individual. But I'm excited, beginning in the Niners game, then at Lambeau, then the Buffalo L's come to town, then we got Los Angeles, 
Philadelphia's early in the schedule. Those are some meat grinders. Those are some pressure cookers for our new quarterback. So how does he handle the heat? When something goes amiss, what is Kirk Cousins' personality like? What traits does he possess that makes others around him better? That is probably the, I don't want to say single biggest inherent trait a natural-born leader, a quarterback, needs to possess, but it's right there with arm strength, and it's right there with decision-making, the ability to make others around him better. Now, when it comes to physical capabilities, that could be throwing receivers open as they bust out of breaks, giving talented individuals an opportunity to win battles in 50-50 situations. In terms of anticipatory skills, in my 16 years of calling Minnesota Vikings football, I have not seen many better than Sam Bradford. So for me... I mean, Brett Favre was here. It was Nirvana. 2010 was diseased. If Snapchat had been invented in 2010, the Vikings might have won the Super Bowl. So that obviously is the highest of HOF high-end comparisons. Main man Sam wasn't here that long, but when he played, the anticipatory skills and the accuracy, unbelievable. So that is a bar at which we can gander when analyzing Kirk Cousins. That is an Anthony at which we can gander while analyzing Kirk Cousins. Making others around him better. For instance, if somebody's open on second and eight, he throws a dime, as the kids would say. Somebody drops it, they come back to the huddle, they're negative. How does he make them better there? How does he motivate them? How does he re-energize them? How does he comfort them there or on the sidelines. To whom much is given, much is expected. Is Kirk Cousins calm under pressure? Case Keenum absolutely made everything better with the game nature of his approach. Kirk is more talented, but talent doesn't always win in the end. There are intangibles required to win and perform at the highest level. Does he become jittery when things are claustrophobic like inside the tent? This is a very cohesive team and one that works very, very hard. They see the proverbial pot of gold at the end of the cliched rainbow. Kirk needs to lead us to said booty. The defense will do its part. Despite the recent uh, the recent situation with Tony Sperano, into training camp, I wasn't worrying as much about the offensive line as others because... There are ways to cover boo-boos and still make plays down the field. This 2018 Minnesota Vikings season truly has the opportunity to be a magical season. Last season was about the miracle. This season is about the money. Money as in cashing in on a Super Bowl title. Kirk Cousins will have a lot to do with that no matter which way it goes. Vikings! One, two, three, go Vikings! On the fan.
Hey, check this out. Listen to the fan during the month of July for Training Camp Ticket Tuesday, presented by Quick Rewards by Quick Trip. Every Tuesday, including today during the month of July, we're giving away tickets to event uh, to attend Vikings Training Camp in Egan, the brand new TCL Performance Center. You can also register KFN.com's contest page. See you at training camp. Thanks to Quick Trip. I got three sets of training camp tickets to give away throughout the show today. We will do so. Stay tuned. It's 9 to noon trivia. Very nice. 918. Good morning. Let me ask you a question. Regarding rookies and newbies to the Minnesota Vikings, over the course, what do you think of this? Over the course of 16 games played, if somebody has 100 receptions, 1,687 yards, five touchdowns, averages 17 yards per reception with a long reception of 77 yards, at first blush, 11687 and 5. What do you think? Oof. I mean, I'm thinking Pro Bowl, All-Pro, just incredible standout season, Rookie of the Year. Well, now if I tell you it's in the Canadian Football League... Oh, oh my gosh. Above <laughs> average. What do you think? <laughs> well, I'm thinking that, uh, you know, I, I haven't broken down the All-22 or the All-11 of the Toronto Argonauts defense. I tried to find the All-22 of the Hamilton Tiger Cats last night. And I almost broke my F5 key. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Zilstra, Spicer, Minnesota. What teams are in the MIAC? Concordia, Moorhead. Yes. Um, super special, Brian Aragonis, Hamlin. True. Is St. Thomas in the mix? feel like I'm not an elite MIAC mine. No, I'm not either. You're a Minnesotan. I'm not. Ask me who is in the baseline league in Southern California, and I'll tell you Glendora, Claremont, uh, Claremont, Altaloma, Don Lugo, Damian High School, so on and so on and so on. We don't want to forget about Bethel. Oh, Bethel. St. John's. Oh, St. John's. St. Olaf. Olaf Hantas. St. Olaf. St. Olaf. Zandy Swedberg, St. Olaf. Yes, and then you have, uh, of or course, is that Bethel? Uh, just the pride of uh, 94 Riverside exit, yeah. Edor Nelson Field, Augsburg. Oh, Augsburg. That's, that's, <laughs> all, that's all we need to know. Yeah. But Concordia Moorhead. Mayak, right? In the mix, yeah, yep. Concordia. Battling super special Aragonies. Uh, is it Hamlin Pipers? No, Hamlin... Hamlin Hams? Yeah, I mean, it's Johnny's and Tommy's and... Hammies? Rocks and birds and plants and things. <laughs> it's, um... You're Minnesotan. It is indeed the Pipers. I think it's not the Pipers. Well done. Yeah, Midday and Aragoni. Of course. I mean, that's four or five days a week of equity of uh, learning about Hamlin Pride. So... How do you translate high-end MIAC productivity into Canadian Football League productivity into National Football League productivity? So I guess maybe the next sweep would be Canadian Football League players who have succeeded at the National Football League level. Like Warren Moon? Top of the list, HOF. Top top of the list, Warren Moon. Joe Theismann. Joe Theismann, Canadian Football League. Doug Flutie. I believe, yep, absolutely. I believe young Cameron Wake 
of yeah. the Miami Dolphins spent time in the old Canadian football league. Think it didn't smash with the BC Lions in 2007? Haven't um, haven't heard any receivers in there yet, though. Okay, we'll check these out. Yeah, what do we got? Uh, Joe Horn. Joe Horn, though. Played the 95 season with the Memphis Mad Dogs. Part of CFL's attempt to expand to the United States. Uh, spoiler alert, it didn't work. Okay. Had more than 1,000 yards in his only CFL season before getting taken by the Kansas City Chiefs in with the whom, fifth round of the 96 draft. With whom did he play in the Canadian foot? Just, just the Memphis bit? Uh, Memphis Mad Dogs was his only season. Doesn't count. But then he was... Uh, so give me true blue blood Canadian Football League wide receiver who has gone CFL, NFL, active 53... Special teams game changer, maybe chip chair chance to catch some passes at the highest level. Well, as the list that I'm getting to, this has Fred Bolitnikoff on it. Oh, Fred Bolitnikoff in his fax machine. So he, yeah, so he can't he, he can't answer the phone to do Super Bowl stories. Uh, but he was with the Montreal Alouettes. That's all I need. In 1980, That's caught all- four TDs and uh, yeah. HOF Pro Football Hall of Fame 88. So Brandon Zilstra. Quickly becoming my new main man. Uh, He's not a rookie, but he's part of the newbies with the rookies and the quarterbacks reporting to Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center this week. Yours truly is excited to meet Brandon Zilstra. I'm very much hoping it takes place on the radio tomorrow at 1135. Uh, As we we shared off Vikings rookies camp, and uh, to a certain extent some of the organized team activities, uh, there were a few newbies who jumped out at 9 to noon, and uh, Brandon Zilstra was one of them. Uh, even though 9 to noon is of the provincial variety, and we like to champion the cause of those who profess one of us and succeeding at the highest level, FISA, Fairness and Zilstra Act, I was not super familiar with a Brandon Zilstra. At this stage of the equation, I absolutely believe young Brandon Zilstra has a decent chance to make the final 53. So, I mean, again, we have the rest of our lives to talk all of this out. Clearly, 9 to Noon is very excited. Uh, Not only to be at TCO Performance Center tomorrow at our new exclusive Vikings Radio Network perch overlooking five perfectly manicured practice fields facing east, backs to the west, adjacent to the stands, where members of Rube Nation will be witnessing the reconstruction of the dream. Clearly, we're very excited. We want to share everything right now. But we we can't put the pedal to the metal at this point because we don't want to step on all training camp-related touchdown calls in one segment. However... If you lay out the wide receiver situation for the Minnesota Vikings, and we get into our precious, super special numbers count that gets us to 53, yours truly believes there will be five receivers kept. And those receivers, not will, could be Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Laquan Treadwell, and, ah, there's the rub. Oof. Who get the who gets the precious final two spots? Whoa! Could it be underachieving former first round pick Kendall Wright? Yes. Who made some memories with Tennessee and most recently the Chicago Bears? No. Could it be Tavares King, 
who most recently, he's fast. Don't give him the crickets, damn it. He got three TDs with the Giants after every other receiver was injured. Wait till you watch him run. Okay, he's very fast. He's not Jeff Bidette fast, but he's very fast. Tavares King's very much in this mix, as is Kendall Wright, as is Super Special Coley. What about Stacy Coley? Let's not forget Stacy Coley, who's absolutely in the mix if young Stacy Coley the Cane can stay healthy. Nine to noon absolutely has him in the mix if he can stay healthy. And then we get to the Oklahoma rookie speedster, Jeff Bidette. You can do a lot of things before two speed. In the business, the coaches say they call it blowing the top off the defense. Taking the top off the defense. Have speed, will travel. I am Jeff Bidette. And you also have Brandon Zilstrup. You're all in on my vibe, aren't you? I mean, you didn't even know the guy existed 10 days ago, but I've mentioned him 15 times, and now he gets the uh, now he gets the round of applause and the drums and the horn. I mean, oh, my God. Come on. Oh, the baby's back. You kidding me? Edmonton Eskimos? Uh, you're, I can't wait for Saturdays with sauce. <laughs> Norda, what do you think of training camp? Well, let me tell you about Brandon Zilstra. I've done a lot of research about him. I've gone and watched uh, the All-22 of his Edmonton Eskimos games and Concordia Moorhead and... Oof, I'm the first one to say this sauce, but I love him. I heard I heard about him when he was still in New London. This uh, <laughs> this will be uh, Saturdays with Sauce. So that's uh, that's the cursory look at the wide receivers bit. We got three in for sure. They'll keep two others. What what? See, like Kendall Wright, Tavares King, uh, Stacy Coley, Jeff Bedette, Zilstra. I think Zilstra has an opportunity to stick out on special teams, all phases of special teams. And I think that will be a separator for this young man. Uh, He's big, he's sturdy, got some speed, runs good routes, and is very interested in changing games on special teams. Can't necessarily say without knowing him, being a former first-round pick, uh, Kendall Wright is interested in changing games on all phases of special teams, but it may not matter. So all of that starts to unveil tomorrow and through Saturday. Uh, Zilstra from Spicer played in the Mayak recently with the Edmonton Eskimos. And while Canadian football rarely translates to NFL glory, 9 to noon is hoping Zilstra is the exception. Uh, that toughness undoubtedly can help on special teams. Uh, there's in no way guaranteeing veteran, veterans, veterans Kendall Wright and or Tavares King even make the team. Maybe both of them make it. Maybe neither. Mike Hughes signed last week. Big camp for second-round offensive lineman Brian O'Neill. We tease and or preview these rookies and these newbies because we are at Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center tomorrow for rookies and quarterbacks. With this offensive line, there are opportunities to usurp players on the offensive line. The next stage following the awful news from a couple of days ago is actually establishing a coach for set offensive line. We talked that out extensively yesterday. No reason to go over all of it again. Could be tight ends coach Clancy Barone. Uh, he's coached a offensive line for well over a decade, won a Super Bowl with a Denver. You know, we, we, we went over the whole thing yesterday, veteran offensive line names, the whole thing. 
And we also stressed the importance of consistency, routine, and minimizing distraction within the football covenant and how important that is. So that may lead us to suggesting Barone stays with tight ends and assistant offensive line coach Andrew Janoko stays as an assistant on the offensive line and Eden Prairie native Todd Downing stays as assistant wide receivers guy and special assignments guy and you know the um the veteran offensive line coach if uh, if indeed they do go that way uh, like I said yesterday Zimmer has a press conference tomorrow at uh, nearing the end of practice and I think everything will be answered then but it is a big camp for second round offensive lineman Brian O'Neill because I have to believe even though Rashad Hill is prohibitively favored to win the right tackle spot, there are positions all up and down that line with the opportunity for people to usurp others. When he's opposite Daniil Hunter and contact is in play, that's where the rubber meets the road for young Brian O'Neill. Then there's Ade Aruna, Tulane, defensive lineman, 6'6 specimen of Nigerian descent. You'll hear a lot about him uh, during training camp from 9 to noon. Go Green Wave. Go Green Wave. When we return, Mike Florio from ProFootballTalk.com joins the equation. It's 9.30. Good morning. You're listening to PA. I'm an elephant. Elephant don't beef with ants. You know, elephant is so large, you don't even see ants. On the fan. A great-looking bathroom remodel doesn't have to be an expensive one. With the Home Depot Summer Kitchen and Bath event... You can finish that remodel or make a small upgrade thanks to new lower prices on exclusive faucets. Right now, get an exclusive American Standard Chatfield bath faucet in brushed nickel, just 89 bucks. Remodel or replace without redoing your budget. Come in now to the Summer Kitchen and Bath event only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Valid through September 19th while supplies last. Florio. To noon. E. F. I heard you cry loud. T. Looky here, it's main man Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com, NBC Sports Network and Radio, and he's with us now. Uh, Mike, sources tell me you're coming to Minnesota soon. Fake news. Why? It's just fake news. Really? I thought you were going to uh, join us one day soon for the reconstruction of the dream. Oh, I'm sorry. I, maybe I don't understand how fake news works. I thought that was what you say anytime somebody says something you'd rather they not say. I didn't realize it only applied when things were actually fake. Yeah, I'll be there. I'd just rather not talk about it. I uh, got it. Um, what do you think? Um, what do you think of the Minnesota Vikings without offensive line coach Tony Sperano? I, I don't. No, because I don't know what the plan is at this point. It was a shocker on Sunday afternoon, and it's just a sad situation. And I don't want to unfairly bash the medical professionals that had access to Tony Sperano on Thursday and released him from the hospital on Friday, but if the medical examiner determines he had heart disease and it was placking of the arteries, it seems like that's something that should have been looked at, checked for, you know, the problem is I think so many people go to the emergency room with chest pains that they do a very cursory initial look to see if you've had a heart attack, how's your heart rhythm, maybe a stress test, and then you're out the door. And I think it happens far more commonly than people realize. You think, um, 
I mean, this is view from 10,000 feet stuff, but do, do you think it makes more sense for the team to elevate from within or find a veteran offensive line coach, maybe with Zimmer or DeFilippo ties, and bring that person in? Who's out there? Yeah, I don't see. Howard Mudd? Mike Mike Tice is is out there, and I think. Oh God, are you serious? Well, as an offensive line coach, I, uh, no. Well, I'm I'm just bringing up names. I know, but it can't be somebody who had the history Mike Tice had as coach of the Vikings. It just can't be. If Mike Tice had never coached the Vikings, if he'd never scalped Super Bowl tickets, if he'd never introduced the term Randy ratio to the lexicon, that may be viable. But I can't imagine. Mike Tice coming back to Minnesota in any capacity. I just think that ship sailed a long time ago, and it would be a mistake to bring it back into dock. I don't believe it will happen, uh, but when thinking of veteran offensive line coaches, uh, he was the first that came to mind. And I mean, I'd rather you suggest Chris Forster than Mike Tice, frankly. I guess, um, you know, I guess I'm trying to mesh co- uh, as much consistency, cohesive cohesiveness, and just keeping things as normal as possible which probably will be impossible, right? Well, you you elevate from within, then. You, you hope that you have an assistant offensive line coach or a quality control coach that can come in and teach the technique and inspire the the unit and make good recommendations about what the, the depth chart should be at each position and how the five guys work together and who the swing tackle should be. You know, head coaches who delegate rely upon offensive coaches to to fill those gaps in and John DeFilippo as the offensive coordinator I he needs somebody he can trust to make good recommendations about how the offensive line looks because DeFilippo's got his hands full right coordinating the offense well the the current tight ends coach Clancy Barone was an offensive line coach for well over a decade with Denver and Atlanta he, he was the Broncos offensive line coach when they won the Super Bowl with Ryan Clady Ryan Harris and those guys so I mean he's on staff that that would seem to be the easiest thing to do, but then you'd need a tight ends coach. It's all very confusing. And and look, every team has to be ready for this in any given moment. What what was it? Nineteen ninety nine that the Vikings offensive coordinator passed away at some point before the season. I can't remember how close in time it was. Was it Chip Myers? Oh, it remember was, that? It might have been ninety seven ish. No, I thought it was after the the Brian Billick no. departure. Well, you might be right. Now, into two thousand one training camp, Man- Mankato. Well, that was that was Cor- uh, Corey Stringer. Corey Stringer, right? Yeah. No, but I do I do remember the Chip Meyer situation. It was I moved here in ninety eight. Nordo. Yeah, it was in February of 99, 99 shortly after the 98 title. So plenty of time to react, plenty yeah. of time. So Chip Myers was the guy who was appointed to the job after Brian Billick got the Ravens head coaching job. But, yeah. but again, plenty of time to... Yeah. Who ended up being the offensive coordinator? Was it Ray Sherman? Uh, might, yeah, I believe it was. Your, your recall right now is second to none. And you know why that's the case? Because you just came back from vacation. I don't know. Yesterday, boy, my goodness, I couldn't do anything right. Not that I ever could. What do you mean? Uh, you know, that first day when you haven't spoken into a microphone in a while with a clock running and yeah. a break and you got to do reads. You know, you make a few mistakes, but I just laugh at it and move on. I think if you make a mistake, you can you can handle it in two different ways. You can act like you didn't even make a mistake. And let me tell you, some of the very best broadcasters will just keep going. And, like, there was somebody on on one of the cable news channels recently, that used a word that was not the right word to use. Yeah. 
it sounded like the right word, but it really wasn't. Okay. But he just kept going. It was like, hey, that's pretty impressive. I wish I could do that because I'd have a fit of giggles. Like, oh, I can't believe I said that. What an idiot I am. So there's different ways to do it. So when I make a mistake, I tend to say, well, what a, what an idiot. Yeah, like what a you'll, you'll be like what a dumbass I am, right? Yeah, I almost said dumbass, but I didn't think I was allowed to say dumbass on your radio station, dumbass. So with your vacation, did you relax? No, because it really wasn't a vacation. <laughs> I still write every day for ProFootballTalk.com. Now, That's great. look, but it's it's cooked into your DNA yep. at this point. I've been doing it since nineteen well, two thousand two thousand one. We went live, so it's wow. almost seventeen years. How about and that? And you just you know when when we go on vacation, we haven't gone on vacation in a while. Where we go away for a week. I still work on the website. Now, we're talking about going to Italy next year. That may be a little more of a challenge to be productive while I'm in Italy, but I, I, st- I like what I do. I remember when I started this four-week radio break that ended yesterday. Yeah. I woke up on Sunday morning before we even got to the first Monday, and it's like, man, I want to do my show. So I miss it when I don't do it. And, and you know, after four weeks, I kind of got used to it, but now we're back to getting used to doing the show. And after I finish the show on Friday, we will be grabbing a bag and jumping in the car and driving up to the Pittsburgh airport and flying to Minneapolis for a couple of days. Sweet! Then you get to see the reconstruction of the dream, Mr. Florio. Yeah, you know, it's a little early in camp. I'd rather come the following weekend, but that's the Hall of Fame weekend, and Shereen Williams from PFT is getting the Dick McCann Award. Nice. And so I'm going to be there for a couple of days. I, I would have liked to have come up that weekend, but... You know, my son, who's getting interested in the business, he's been doing the podcast with me on Fridays on PFTPM. Nice. He said, hey, I want to go to Vikings training camp. I want to go see the new facility. I said, okay, let's go. Business trip. It's a write-off. Yeah. So off we go. You'll absolutely love it. Um, Yeah, the website. One of Mancini's, too. I don't know which night. We're a big party at Mancini's. Website looks great. Quite honestly, it's never been better, Mike. Oh, you're full of crap. You haven't even been reading it. Uh, Radio show sounds awesome. Quite honestly, Mike. Just shut up. You know, we haven't done this in a while. Well, yeah, I know. And now I remember why. Well, that's why I'm reminding you. I mean, the website, honestly, in in the 17 years, it's never looked better. It's updated so frequently. Shereen Williams was one of the greatest hires since Curtis Crabtree. And the radio show, it just sounds awesome. Smartass is not a good look for you. You know, uh, we have Peter King now. You know, it's going to even be better having the best of PFT Live back on the fan this weekend. That, too, never will have sounded better, Michael. I think the best of PFT Live has still been on because they've been taking my afternoon podcast content and making it into the best of PFT Live. Yeah, but I heard it last week, and it was awful. It wasn't you. So, it wasn't me? No, it wasn't you. It was awful. And, hey, uh, don't talk like that about whoever it was that filled in that I don't know who it was. Now, if it was stats, I agree with you. It was awful. Uh, you're such an elite football mind, so let's, um, let's move on. Um, will we see you at MetLife Stadium this year when the Vikings play the Jets? What week is it? Is it a Sunday game? I don't know. What do I look like? The calendar? Well, I would like to think you know when the Vikings play their games and where, since you know you have to be there and you I have got, to have your arrangements. I got the first five memorized. Nordo! I don't I don't go to Sunday afternoon games because I'm in Stamford, Connecticut for the football night in America preparations. Yeah, but so, Connecticut's close to MetLife Stadium. Yeah, but but it's not like I can go to the boss and say, hey, you know what, this Sunday, instead of being here and watching all the games mm-hmm. and helping craft the issues that we're going to get into and contributing, 
and chasing news and and just you know grinding for six hours while the early games are on. I'm just going to go to the Jets Vikings game and uh, if I make it here by 7 p.m. Eastern time when the show uh-huh. starts, I make it. Yeah, that's fine. Are you okay with that, boss? Yeah, I'm sure we'll be fine with it. Yeah, that. you're um you're dead on it then. Um, it's October 21st and I believe it's a 1 p.m. Eastern game. Yeah, so that ain't happening. Now, if it was a Monday night game like it was eight years ago, right. I could stay an extra day. I could come to the booth and I could step all over your touchdown call. What about um? Week four, I believe, at Los Angeles, Thursday night, L.A. That's a, Coliseum. That's a long flight, and then I have to get up at 3 a.m. local time to do my radio show. Okay. If that was, if listen, my 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 you know my my kid is partial to the Vikings, so when the schedule came out, he's like, hey, let's find uh, a Vikings game we can go to, and we looked at it, and it's like, I'm sorry, kid, there's none. What about Monday night football late in the season at Seattle? And not look. It's the same time zone. I assume you're familiar with the way this works. Who cares? If I you go to a Monday sleep. night game in Seattle, I have to find a studio in Seattle that can allow me to show up at 2.30 a.m. local time to do a radio show. Who cares? You never sleep. You're researching Josh Gordon stuff at 12.30 in the morning. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not getting up at 2 a.m. to do my radio show. Speaking, I'm just not doing speaking it. Speaking of Josh Gordon... Um, you're, you're, also, they're going to lose both of those games, so there's no point making that trip. Your website's unbelievable. I mean, the... Will you shut up? Up. The up-to-date My nature God. of the Josh Gordon reporting, specifically with uh, the guest you had this morning from Cleveland. Uh, for those who erroneously may have missed it, what's new with uh, Josh Gordon and the Cleveland Browns? Well, he issued a statement yesterday indicating he's going to miss the first week of training camp, and the statement was kind of ominous as it relates to his history, and obviously he was permanently banished from the NFL. When you're permanently banished under the substance abuse policy, after a year you can apply for reinstatement. He finally got reinstated, and once you're reinstated, you're in stage three of the substance abuse program, which means one false move and you're gone again for at least a year. And his statement made it sound like something's up, and the team's statement made it sound like something's up, and the NFL said... We'll make it, uh, or we'll address this at the appropriate time, or something like that. And it just—I feel like something's happened, but I also feel like the NFL has decided to use its vast discretion out of character in a way that helps the player. Usually, the NFL uses its discretion in these circumstances to hammer the player. Yeah. I feel like with Josh Gordon, I think with Martavis Bryant, now Raiders receiver, I have a feeling the NFL is maybe realizing it's in their best interests to have great players available to play. With all the talk about ratings, with all the concern about the supply of football players drying up, why do you want to keep competent, able players off the field because of marijuana or alcohol use? The stigma is gone for marijuana, and I I think that the NFL is starting to see the light, even though they'll never admit it because they don't want to give up their leverage. They want to have the ability to hammer anybody they want to hammer. But I think with Gordon and Bryant, they've seen the light, and I think they're softening. They'll never admit they're softening, but I think they're softening. Nordo, did you hear that analysis? I couldn't believe it, especially the leverage part. Yeah. My God. Holy cow. It, what it, leverage part? It's so great having you back. You uh, guys are... Oh, I almost said a word I shouldn't have said. Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com. You know, it's funny. Sports it's Radio. funny. You can say ass, yeah. right? But you can't say ass. No. And you can say hole, right? Ho? But you can't say them together. Ho? Isn't that weird? Did you just say ho? I said whole. Oh, whole. I said you can say ass, period. You can say whole, period, but you can't say them together. Damn it, Michael. But that's the word I almost called you in Nordo. Nordo's jumping in off the top rope. I never even deal with him. Damn it, Michael. I love seeing Peter King's name on your site. uh, What's he up to these days? 
Peter King is writing every Monday, Football Morning in America. Oh my God. His new name, same column, every Monday you can find it at PFT. So, And he's going on his training camp tour. And he see, he will be in the vicinity of West Virginia, and he is coming to visit me. Last year, when you were in Pittsburgh, just 90 minutes away yeah. from where I'm sitting, you refused to come down and visit me. And that's fine. It was your loss. Yeah, it was an absolute L. Uh, nine to noon, very socially inept when it comes to stuff like that. Uh, oh, you, oh, and tell, tell them the story. I'm coming to town, and I, I invited you to dinner, and you stiff-armed me. Right. Yeah, nine to noon is very socially inept. And thank you for inviting me to the uh, to the fr- Friday night horse track. Thank you very much, since you'll be with me the whole time. Well, you, it'd be me and my son sitting in a room full of strangers while you call the horse races. That's not exactly the kind of interaction I was looking for. No, 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 no. Uh, when you come to Canterbury Park, where the people come to play, uh, we set you up with something that you would thoroughly enjoy over the course of two and a half hours. And if you so decline, that is your option. Can, can I call a horse race with you? 100%. Is is the horse named Hoof Hearted still running? That's the horse I want to call. No, it's Bofa D's Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at Bofa D's Nuts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, uh, you wrote about the Bills yesterday. Uh, the Vikings have them on the schedule. Who starts more games and why? A.J. McCarron or Josh Allen? Josh Allen. Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. Wow. Yeah. They drafted Josh Allen to be the guy, and they're going to throw oh. him into the fray, and I think he's going to be good enough that he's going to win the job. If he doesn't start more games than A.J. McCarron this year, then the Bills screwed it up. Um, seriously speaking, if you want that Friday night, I would love to see you, and I will make it a lot of fun for you and Florio Jr., and I look forward to chatting with you soon. Thank you, Michael. Bye. Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com, the Techie in Studio next. Programming on the Fan brought to you in part by Prism Research. And let's handle some business. Lavelli Neal joins every Monday. Before we get to the Twins Techie, we're talking about Lavelli Neal, Monday, chatting Twins baseball, and the hot stick of the week is brought to you by Clement Sausage Company. He did it yesterday. Every week, you get to register for a chance to win a year's supply of Clement Snack Sticks from your local Cub Foods. All you do, you get to KFAN.com, use the keyword hot stick. Uh, the winner from last week... Her name, Brenda Junker. Brenda Junker gets a year's supply of Clement Snack Sticks. And you can now sign up again, uh, all of you out there that didn't win, KFAN.com, keyword hot stick. Thank you, Clements. What's up, yeah? You um, you've worn the same shirt the last three times you've come true? into the Love Covenant. Oh. Yes. Thus, the uh, when I passed you in the hallway, yeah, I immediately looked at you and said, "Same silks." Oh. You know, jockeys wear silks. It's <laughs> yeah, my it, color. It's like if our leading rider Rye what? Eckleberry has silks on in the fifth race and rides for the same ownership group in the sixth, uh, he doesn't have to change silks. Yeah, same silks. You, you're you, saying I'm smart by doing this, not just lazy and... Uh, well, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the long play with the wrinkled nature of, of said silks. Well, the long play is back to the laziness. Here's the thing. I, <laughs> you couldn't fluff it in the dryer nor, for 12 nor, minutes? No, His shirt's so unbelievably wrinkled. I, yeah, that is true. I mean, did you sleep on it? Uh, or in it? It was on the floor. 
Here's the thing. Remember last week or what two weeks? About week- beloved BJ. I mean, you're the you're the. Well, she's out the. She goes to actual work, right. dressed nicely at seven a.m. So but, she doesn't know what goes on at but nine. But you a. always concede the biggest problem you have with your beloved BJ is your subservient nature. So yeah, uh-huh. I mean, isn't that um, Becky? I'm I'm going out in public tomorrow. Wash the damn shirt. Well, let's not blame her for that. That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> uh, here's the thing, though. Yeah. Uh, I come in here like once a week yeah. to chat with you. It's great. Yeah. Uh, Same silks. I only have like five shirts, and I only leave the house like three times a week. How do you only have five shirts? And so the no, like five button-up, sh- you know, yeah. whatever. Well, Rotation. that's a nice. But, that's a nice one, and clearly you like it so yeah, much. You wear it every nice day. So, but you would the the math on that five shirts, leaving the house three times a week, seeing you once a week. I could avoid. I could you at the very least avoid wearing the same red shirt three three Wednesdays or Tuesdays in a row here, and yet I can't make that happen. Well, I think the childlike nature in Aaron Gleeman is coming out. Yes, because when your beloved BJ encouraged you to purchase some some new shirts or new clothes, didn't even no. That but, you're giving me too much credit for that. Well, she didn't encourage me to purchase it. She just came home with four shirts and said, "Here, these well, are your shirts." Okay, now. well, have your mom iron it. I'm, my yeah. God. I mean, I compliment. That's a beautiful shirt. The button down's beautiful. Oh, thanks, Pia. I complimented you on it the a month ago, nice and, uh, and subsequently, you've worn it every maybe that time was, you've come in here. Yeah, like inside my head, like subconsciously, I was like, Pia likes this shirt. Yeah. Th- he thinks it's sexy. I better wear it every time, so he really gets the full Aaron Gleeman treatment. You surprised me over the weekend. Why is that? And, and I followed you. Given I live vicariously through you on Twitter, we're off to a great start today. Yeah, now, go on. I the some of the topics yesterday changed nine to noon with. The, the sad news of the death of yeah. Vikings offensive line coach Tony Sperano. So I didn't get the opportunity to to steep. I mean, gravy. Tra- I mean, uh, use as research one of your tweets over the weekend. Lance Lynn's 118 pitches and yeah. where it stacks yeah, up good in, the, in Minnesota Twins history. For those who go yes. five minutes, Lance Lynn is the uh, oh, of a of a wrinkled shirt that you wear three times uh, in a row. It was an unbelievable tweet, and we're going to get into that. Um, but. This weekend, when uh, when you were um, when you went to that Brewers game at Miller Park and and you gave Josh Hader a standing, when you were clapping for him, <laughs> I didn't. I don't. Oh man, can we start the show over? Can you can you explain? Don't put that on me. What went? Okay, yeah, you weren't. At I am Park. going to I am going to Miller Park in about a month, Ew. and I'm going to be very curious to see what the uh, the Josh Hader situation is right. a month from now because I suspect. It'll just be kind of business as usual at that yeah. point. So I brought it up a little bit yesterday with Lavelle. Yeah. Uh, Josh Hader, relief pitcher, all-star for yeah. Milwaukee. Tweets when he was 17. Um, ra- racially motivated. Just just slanderous all over the place. Yeah. Just complete negative. All right, so people have followed that, formulated opinions, phone calls, and all that stuff. So he pitches Saturday night and gets a rousing standing ovation yeah. At his, his home ballpark, Miller Park. Got another one, uh, second outing, too. Did he which really? Which was last night or the night before. Did yeah. he really? Yeah. What do you think about all that? Uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, I get... I, here's the thing I'll say. I'm uh, certainly not... I'm not unwilling to bash Wisconsin. Yeah. I live with somebody who's from Wisconsin, and yeah. it's fun to bash Wisconsin. And yeah. I don't think what they did is right, but I'll Can't say... Can't family, I, but anyway. <laughs> great family. Okay. Uh, but I, I think... You're giving other teams and other fan bases and other ballparks too much credit to assume that that would only go on in Wisconsin. Now, that doesn't make it any better. Right. But I think there's a pretty decent chance that if he pitched for the Twins, there'd be the same type of situation at Target Field the first time he comes back. And I, listen, yeah. I would love to sit here and say Twins fans are better than every other fan base. I'm a, I'm a lifelong, you know, Minnesotan yeah. and all that. But I, now, 
setting all that aside, it's ridiculous. To- I'm not putting it on Wisconsin. I'm just right. trying to figure out the right way to handle it because... Well, probably an ovation for essentially doing nothing positive is the wrong way to handle it. I think you can certainly say, look, I'm willing to give this guy a second chance. Like you said, he was 17. Yeah. All his teammates and, and a lot of he people... He apologized. That, of course. Lorenzo Kane, African-American on the team, came back and said... Well, right. But he what he blew it. It sucks, but we got his back. That's also putting the uh, non-white players on the Brewers in an awfully tough position there because what if they didn't feel that way? Yeah. What are they going to say? Right. Uh, he's a horrible guy. We believe all this stuff. That yeah. would make it ten times a bigger story and turn them into the story. But right. yes. some of them may not believe what they said publicly. Of too. course. And there might still be some underlying negativity of course. there. I just wonder, like, if you really break down what he got an ovation for, what is he getting an ovation for? How right. do you explain that? Forgiveness. Now, but of an ovation? I understand, like, you don't need to boo the guy. I don't believe in... I'm, I'm struggling with this. And... and Give him a second chance. Give yeah, him forgiveness. I'm all that not, stuff. But I, it's, it's I was a week not in, later. I was not in favor of the ovation. I'm also not in favor of booing. Right. Booing the situation. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do or what. You know, I don't know what right. to do. You know. I mean, look, it's it's a tough spot because you're essentially saying to the fans there that paid to just see a baseball game, uh, please determine where this story goes next. Mm-hmm. I, I just think like what he. It was his literally his first game since all the the tweets were discovered. Yeah. So the idea that, well, he's getting a second chance, he's a new person. Well, it's been 48 hours since we knew this even happened. Yeah. So, like, it's not like he's been donating his time to charities and, uh, yeah. you know, going around uh, doing all kinds of nice things. Like, it's been two days. But there's no way to come back from that. I mean, you, in my opinion. But how do you say that when he literally gets an ovation at the first game? No, I'm saying from his standpoint, you can apologize, you can handle it with your teammates, uh, you can do a press conference. Right. However, I mean, if you, now all of a sudden you're going to pump tens of thousands of dollars into certain charities that are that were tied to your to your I mean that's not the end of the world. I understand that and that would be that would be preferred, but do you do you mean it in your heart? You didn't do well, it in right. the first but place. That's why the, now you're doing it because you got caught. Well of course. But that's why the ovation I think is so absurd anyway, because you say like how can you bounce from back from that? Why would he even feel the need to bounce back from it when he goes out in front of his home fans after doing essentially nothing except saying, hey, I'm sorry, that w- yeah. that's not me now, which yeah. is what everyone's going to say. Well, wait till he hits the road. Uh, yeah, but I mean... When he hits the road, this could be but, like, team bus, team hotel, team bus to, to ballpark. Maybe. Uh, but, like, A.J. Przinsky got booed on the road. So what? Like, guys get booed on the road for stuff all the time. If you're too good against an opposing yeah. team, yeah. you get booed on the road. Like, Do you think if, if Josh Hader wasn't one of the... Better relief pitchers in Major League Baseball. He'd have gotten released, and he would. Yeah, and he was some middle of yes. the game earned run average five. He's in because we're winning or losing by six. He's he's out. Of course, yeah, he's out. That's I mean, at, the, I thought, at the very least, he's suspended for contract detrimental. Or he's sent to triple. I mean, you see this in the NFL all the time. Yeah, got it, there's a. The bar for what you can do in terms of annoying your employer in the NFL. Guidelines and rules. I mean, you get a DWI and you're the fourth string linebacker, you're released that day. You get a DWI and you're the starting linebacker, and it's like, well, we're going to, you know, rehabilitate him and all that. And I mean, that's just life. That's going to be the case in anything. But I do think it's interesting that any other line of work, if those type of tweets, came to the intention of your employer. Yep. If you just worked a nine to five, you're an accountant somewhere in some office or whatever, right. uh, you're not coming back to work Monday without some kind of rep- repercussions. 
and you're not walking into work and having your your yeah. people go like clap for you. Like no. it, it's I I try, I try to put myself. Look, I'm just some white dude from Minnesota, but I try to put myself in the shoes of a black person or a gay person who saw those tweets and now look at this standing ovation and yeah. you say to yourself like no one cares. Like what? Where is the sort of Yes, this guy gets a second chance, but you got to give him more than forty-eight hours to prove he's a different person. That's and, brilliantly laid out. And you got to look at it and you go, "What if? What if you're a, a gay person or a black person? And you go to a ball game at Miller Park, and this dude comes in his first game after all those tweets were discovered, and thousands of people are standing up and cheering him. How can you not feel like, well, I'm not wanted here? Like, yeah. why am I here? And I think that's the tough spot. Everyone's so focused on him. Yep. But you know, I got a stupid question for you. Yes. How did the tweets emerge? Uh, I don't know. I think it's become a, a thing that like when a guy gets drafted or when a guy has a some great college player has some great game, people start digging through their old tweets. And he goes on the mound at the All-Star game. And I think, you know, not that many people watch the Brewers, relatively speaking. I yeah. think people got their first look at him. There were also a couple yeah. of sort of like fluff, fluff piece articles by national media in the days leading up to the All-Star break about what a great guy he was wow. and all this stuff. And so I think people started going through it yeah it's crazy to me that if you're any sort of famous person at this point yeah just delete your old tweets like and i'm not trying to say if you're horrible i'm trying to get you off the hook for being horrible in the past yeah. but like why would josh Hader leave tweets up from when he's 17 where he's saying like white power like what maybe he just doesn't even think about it which is also crazy yeah i can tell you if i was 17 and i tweeted white power i would think about deleting that every day for the rest of my life yeah i don't know uh, Aaron Gleyman, Editor-in-Chief, Baseball Prospectus. AaronGleyman.com is his website. His Twitter handle is at Aaron Gleyman. I can only imagine what the replies to my own Twitter account are right now. Just people. They, people are very upset. People are very much Understandably. In, in Josh Hader's camp, which is surprising to me. Uh, your baseball team won last night. Are you pumped <laughs> up? Can you feel the burn? Uh, no. They're uh, obviously in pure cell mode, I think. But it was a really good night for your team. I mean, they went to eight and a half. Uh, because your Pirates have won 10 in a row, and they beat Kluber. Oh, that's my squad. Yeah, your Pirates have won 10 in a row, yeah. by the way. Uh, Corey Kluber has had bad outings four of the last five times. That is the... Look, there's plenty about the Twins on its own that is frustrating, from all the injuries to all the young players to two of the building block guys being in the minors. Everything stacks up. It's super frustrating. Making that doubly frustrating is how bad the AL Central is. Yeah. Like, if this team was even as good as it was last year, they would get fat against the three horrible teams in the AL Central, and they could potentially clinch Cleveland, which is not playing all that well, certainly relative to expectations. Like you said, guys like Kluber are struggling a little bit more than people expect. It's there for the taking, and yet the Twins are going to end the season with, like, 76 wins and not even be in the mix. And I feel like even if the Twins bounce back next year and become a consistent contender, which I think they still can, yeah. you're going to look back at this season and be like, that was there That was there for you to grab, and yeah. it was just a complete collapse. Ain't no doubt. Didn't allow you to do it. Let me ask you this. Uh, Justin Holmgren to my Twitter feed. Do you guys think fans were standing slash cheering for Hater because they completely forgave him for the past? That um, That's pure assumption. Could the ovation simply be for a guy who's showing his who's showing his bleep during a rough time? I mean, I guess, yeah, but I really why? I probably shouldn't Look, I mean, if you're of the opinion that 
Josh Hader didn't do that much wrong, then you're going to stick up for that type of thing. I, I'm not saying he needs to be fired or suspended for life. Yeah. I'm just saying. If I'm at the game, I do nothing. I don't boo him. Right. No, Literally the first no time he's back on the mound, you don't have to stand up. Like, think of the stuff people don't stand up and cheer in a in a ballpark. Like, yeah. I don't know. It was just it was frustrating to see, and I'm trying to separate it from, you know, making fun of Wisconsin and all that. But I don't yeah. know. I just, it, my, whatever it's worth, my little pea brain does not understand standing and cheering for that. Uh, Aaron Gleeman, editor-in-chief of Baseball Prospectus and Studios. Some uh, Twins techie stuff next. You're listening to PA. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms. Bare chested. Somebody stop Look that out. man. Here comes. On the fan. Forgiveness. To noon. And it's Training Camp Ticket Tuesday, presented by Quick Rewards by Quick Trip. Trivia time. I got a four-pack of VIP tickets to the Quick Trip Red Zone at Vikings Training Camp at TCL Performance Center. This simple question. Florio joined us earlier, and he said that this guy was the offensive coordinator for your Minnesota Vikings during the 1999 season. Who was the... Offensive coordinator for the Purple in 1999. Ali Sherman. It's a difficult question because it's a four-pack of VIB tickets courtesy of Quick Rewards by Quick Trip. You want to see training camp? This is a free shot at it. 651-989-5326-800-320-5326. Call now. Wins techie. So you're arguing with people on Twitter right now? Yeah, well, I got five I got minutes to kill. got a radio show to do. I got five minutes to kill in between breaks. You all right? I see at Aaron Gleeman is, come on, people get fired for their tweets all the time. Yeah, somebody said uh, that because you and I don't work real jobs, uh, that really? we don't know whether a person would get fired or not, as if no one in our life or no one we know works a real job. Oh. Of course, you would. people get fired for their tweets all the time. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Gleeman is a joke. The kid was 17. Get over it. It's a non-topic before this liberal outbreak BS. Uh, is what he yeah. said good? No. Should he be condemned years later? Hell no. Get over it. It's weird to me that this is a liberal versus conservative issue of like saying horrible things becomes like if you don't like that, it's liberal. It seems very strange to me, but whatever. Yeah. Right. Uh, Aaron Gleeman, Editor-in-Chief, Baseball Prospectus and Studio. He's the Twins Techie Weekly 9 to Noon. Uh, we established, uh, Zarin stated in the last segment, Twins are coming. I uh, had a big win last night. <laughs> I expects an absolute uh, charge to an American League Central title. Yeah, they only need to, if they add about 300 more games to the schedule, I think the Twins will have enough time to make up ground on Cleveland. Yeah, Kluber lost last night. You got to start somewhere. Yeah, uh, your Buckos have won ten in a row. Yeah, Cleveland loses at home, so yeah, you, you can't dispute everything went right last night. Everything, uh, everything went so right last night. Logan freaking Morrison got a clutch hit. Yeah, are you kidding me? They're they're uh, showcasing them for that big trade they're going to do with Logan Morrison. <laughs> July twenty third, year of our Lord twenty eighteen. Yeah. Logan Morrison gets a clutch hit. It is going to be sort of sad if it turned out that a lot of his struggles when he was hitting one eighty for two and a half months yeah. were because he was trying to play through a hip injury, and all it all it took was twelve days off right. and come back to the lineup and he heats up again. But yeah, I think. Uh, 
he uh, I suspect he's not super long for the team, although I don't really see a contender wanting to add no. him maybe as like a bench bat, but they're not going to get anything. No, it might more. be one of those... Uh, leave. We're going to pay you because we don't want you around. Right. Even though he seems to be, he seems to be fine. like a nice guy that people like in the clubhouse, and they're going to find out at some point. Particularly if now that Miguel Sano's at AAA, if Miguel Sano starts hitting, they're going to need to find at bats for some younger guys that they want to take a look at in August and September. And I think yeah. Morrison's going to be an easy spot on the roster to say, yeah, there's nothing real gained for letting him play out the string here. Your squad was swept at Kansas City. I yeah, mean, that was. Uh, you talk about something that's bad for business. Oh my God, that to me was like such a great example. Or not great, maybe that's a bad word of the the twin season as a whole. Which is you end the first half. They had a real nice ten game, ten day stretch. Yeah, I think they went like eight and two. You get Nine the, and two. You get the walk off grand slam by Dozier going into the break. Then you let that marinate over the break. You get fans are starting to talk themselves into. Yeah, oh, if they go on a big run here, Coming! and then you just drop three in a row to. Ooh. Probably the second worst team in baseball, and permit a Drew Butera inside yeah. the park home run. That uh, that brought back real bad memories of oh. Tory Hunter in the playoffs twice, where he would try to make a spectacular oh, grab. Yes. I think one was Ray Durham. I forget who the second yes. one got the inside the park. That was uh, that was ugly. But I think that series uh, threw threw water on whatever tiny little fire there was of people thinking that the Twins can make a run, and now they have about eight days. Uh, to make a trade before the the July trade deadline, and then guys like Irvin Santana, who still need to kind of prove their value, can be traded next month too. Do you um do you happen to remember the particulars and or the exact numbers in your elite tweet from this weekend uh, when Lance Lynn threw 118 pitches through five innings? Yes, I looked, you, you laid it out in Twins historical perspective. I was curious, so I went to BaseballReference.com, which yeah. is Probably the best website in the world. Second behind Baseball Perspective. Oh, that's not nice to say. Go ahead. Yeah, and I looked up because it was a five inning start. So I looked up all the twin starts in Twins history that have gone five innings or less. Uh, is that easy to do? Yeah, a couple ten seconds. Okay. Uh, the internet is amazing. And I looked and I said, "What was the most pitches somebody's thrown in only five innings?" It was one hundred eighteen. One hundred eighteen was Lance Lynn. Not only that, oh. uh, his last start, which was July eleventh, right before the break, yeah. he threw one hundred fourteen pitches. That was also one of the lo- the most pitches ever in a start in five innings. Uh. So like back to back Lance Lynn starts have basically made Twins history. Yeah, uh, and it might end up being his last start in a Twins uniform. I think he's an example of. I do think they're going to be able to get something for him. Right, Lavelle said that yesterday, and I'm like, what the hell are you guys talking St- about? Starting pitching is people. Uh, it's very tough to get. I, I look. If I was a contending team, he would, he is certainly not someone I would target. Yeah. Uh, Got to be the NL, right? Yeah, I would think the NL. Emphasis on the letter L. I think so. And I th- it might be a situation where wherever they're talking about sending Dozier or wherever they're talking about sending Escobar. Got to take Lynn. They say to him, do you, need a st- do you need a fifth starter? Yeah. We'll basically throw him in. You make the prospect a little bit better. You take a little bit more salary. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to get anything significant back for him, but I'm sure the poll ads will love to hey. save a couple million bucks or something. If I'm a contender, I ask about Maurer. Yeah, but what Mauer, he won't go anywhere. I know, so we got no trade terrorism. No all trade. Up he's, that not, thing. No, he's not. Going right. Anywhere. But also, what contender needs a. He, he's playing really well right now. Yeah. He's a solid first baseman, but w- there's no contender that just needs an average first baseman, I don't think, at this point. Well, he's an above average first baseman. No, I mean, def- I'm saying all around. Oh. You're, you're defensively, well, so am I. great. But, right, but that 285 plays. Believe me, I'm one of the first people to stick up for Mauer and people are complaining about it. He's having a really good season. Overall, but most contenders have a pretty good slugging first baseman already. Plus, it's it's a moot point. I mean, if you're Maurer, 
yeah, maybe there's part of him that says, if the Yankees come calling or something, I'll go make a run at a World Series and maybe hang it up there. Yeah. But he does not strike me as someone who wants to play anywhere but Minnesota. And I think that's going to be coming to play this offseason because he's going to be a free agent. Yeah. And it's possible the Twins say to him, oh. we're just moving on. And Mal- if, that's, Mal- the, if that's the case, I don't see him going anywhere else. Mauer in table set. Who's the first baseman for the Yankees? It's like a rotating L yeah, every they've, game. They've, I mean, Greg Bird, who they've had, yeah, who struggled okay. a little bit. Yeah, they don't have a, a... So, can you think about Maurer's table-setting ways with D.D. Gregorius? You got Hicks, and then, and you got Judge and Stanton, and Maurer just doing his thing and getting on with singles and doubles? Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, he there are teams he would help, and like certainly in a part-time role or a bench bat. There's all yeah. kinds of stuff that could... But I, I just feel like I don't think they're even going to approach him. Yeah. Because you're not going to get some big prospect for him. And so if it's just some sort of marginal trade, Good point. what's the point of that? Particularly if they still right. want to leave the door open for him coming back next year. If they traded Maurer, it would break your heart, right? Uh, I mean, if he said, look, I'm about to hang it up. Yeah. Let me get to the playoffs and try to make a run here. But that's great. Him. I just don't think he's you the... You have a Joe Maurer milk poster in your bedroom <laughs> right next to the Zach Parisi milk poster. It's funny. I'm I'm a, I'm a supporter of Maurer, but most of that comes from the fact that I think he's maligned too often. Uh, still? Oh, I mean, yeah, more than ever now. Yeah, I thought that was so 2015. Well, it was you know, 2008, too. I mean, uh, sometimes on this station, uh, when he was a you know, gold glove batting title winning catcher, mm-hmm. uh, it was he doesn't hit enough home runs, he doesn't have enough RBI. Now that he's transitioned into yeah. post-concussion, just being sort of a good but not great first baseman, there's all kinds of criticism. So, yeah, I, I do find myself sticking up for him. But I don't think I'm going to make it. I personally don't think he's a Hall of Famer, or that he, at least he won't be in the Hall of Fame. And I also... Like Cooperstown? Yes. He's not going to be in Cooperstown. Who uh, thinks he is? You should talk to the people who tweet me. Every time he has three hits, it's uh, he's a Hall of Famer, right? Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm sort of in between being portrayed as a Mauer Bobo, but trying to be kind of realistic about where he's at. Yeah, I think Hall of Fame, I think Babe Ruth. I well, think like yeah. Joe DiMaggio. How about like Bill Mazeroski and Bill Mazeroski. Jim Rice? Yeah. There's a lot of not great. Now, Albert, uh, how about your guy Jack Morris? Well, is in Albert the Hall of Fame Pujols, now, so. that is a Hall of Fame first baseman. Well, yeah, but PA, look at who. I mean, Alan Trammell and Jack Morris, very good players, are both going into the Hall of Fame right? in a couple weeks. That's or very fair. Next point. week. Uh, Aaron Gleeman, editor-in-chief, Baseball Prospectus, one of my favorite baseball-related websites. In fact, if you go to BaseballProspectus.com or follow it via Twitter at BaseballPro, if you go to Gleeman's website and you'd like do a little bit of a deep dive, you will find Twins reliever Ryan Presley is a cross between Brendan <laughs> Morrow and Bobby Thigpen. Yeah. I can't figure out who he's closer to. Lee Smith, Bruce Suter, uh, Bobby Thigpen, Brandon Morrow, Josh Hader sands the tweets. Right. I mean, that Ryan Presley story that I read, A, I didn't understand any <laughs> yeah. of the C- I liked your tweet about it, which was like, because uh, one of our writers... Was it C-Fip? Matthew Trueblood wrote it. Okay. And and PA's response, well, he clicked the link, and I could tell you read it. Oh, he yeah, quoted he something in it. He said, I didn't understand anything in this, but it was really good. Was it C-Fip? Yeah, C-Fip. Lowercase C, capital yeah. F-I-P? Yeah. Got no idea what that is. Yeah. All I know is... You got is the gist of it, though. With Ryan Presley... What we have now mm-hmm. is Andrew Miller before he started taking L's. Yeah. Like Yankees and early Cleveland version of Andrew Miller. The idea was sort of to look at the the big names that are going to be traded, big name relievers that may be traded uh, at the deadline, and to look at Ryan Presley and say, he's a guy with some better defense and maybe not quite ridden as hard by his manager in terms of workload. He's a guy who could really help a contending team down the stretch as sort of a fireman role. 
His strikeout rate is like the third highest in the American League. Uh, good curveball when he's on, you know, 95-plus fastball, all that stuff. And so uh, my guy Matthew Trueblood at, at BP basically wrote, he's a guy who people view as kind of a sixth or seventh inning reliever, but under the right circumstances and with the right usage could be, yeah, closer to, you know, Andrew Miller. I'm not saying he's that good. I also, the original draft of that article that Matthew Trueblood sent in really compared him to Josh Hader. And I switched it around and said, uh, "Let's not, let's not, let's wait a couple weeks before we yeah. uh, say this guy's just like Josh Hader, just as an overall right. way of being." But let's break it down in layman nine to noon, okay? Like something everybody can easily understand. Sure. Let, let, I mean, with all with all due respect to your craft and and your hobbies and things that you enjoy, nobody's around the water cooler talking about CFIP. Absolutely. So when we watch Ryan Presley, and I've watched him all season, it's kind of a stud. Ryan Presley has some swagger to him, and num- numbers are decent, right? right. Uh, are, are they decent? They're good, or, yeah, not they're, great. Certainly they're not good, great. not the, great. The sort of surface level. I number. don't want them to trade Ryan Presley. That's the end of the story for me. Right. And they have him for next season, too, which kind of was part of the article that he was saying, much like Kyle Gibson, it's a situation where, you know, Dozier and Escobar and Zach Duke and Lance Lynn, they're going to be free agents in two and a half months anyway. Yeah. So if you can get something significant for them, you do it. Wow. But guys like so we're Gibson. Have a lot of offseason money. Oh, the, if you look at their. Yeah, man, we could get two really, really good players this offseason. They could get like two injured starting pitchers. Yeah, to place on like, the DL. We could get like Johnny Cueto yeah. and uh, you Darvish. AJ, you Darvish and AJ Pierzynski. Yeah. Uh, if, you look at, if you look at the Twins books. You know, Maurer's coming off the books. They're going to decline Irvin Santana's $15 million option. Dozier comes off the books. They already uh, got Phil Hughes off the books in that trade. Yeah, They're going to have, even if their payroll stays stable, it doesn't rise any, mm. they're going to have like $100 million to, to play around with this offseason. Good Lord. Which some of that will go to arbitration and long-term deals for current right. guys and all that. But Hot stove league. Reason to have the techie in in February and March. Let's go. Yeah, why not? Um, AG, last couple here. Okay. Uh, first. Are there legit chances Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano never live up to the hype? Sure. Legit, I mean, it de- the chances are becoming legitimate. Uh, it depends what the hype is. Like, that's not a set-in-stone thing. It's different for every person. Well, Sano already made an all-star team. Yes, and Buxton was the best player on the team for half of last... I mean, he was one yeah. of the best players in the American League yeah. for the second half of last year. Well, he's not as good as Aaron Hicks, but we can go on. <laughs> yeah, that's a, Aaron Hicks is a good example, by yeah. the way, of why you don't give up yeah. on a talented top prospect. Aaron Hicks is better than Byron Buxton. Well, Aaron Hicks is better than almost every center fielder in the league at this point. I think he's not. Uh, but... What, Think of how bad he was yeah. with the Twins. Denard Span is better than Byron Buxton right now. Well, I mean, right now, Byron Buxton at AAA. That's good. So uh, Bobby Wilson's better than Bobby. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, anybody Ooh. in the major. Taylor Motter is better than Byron Ooh. Buxton at Ooh. the moment That's for the right. Twins. But, you know, think back if you're a Twins fan. And Taylor Motter's on our team. He's back on the, He's 0 for 14, I think, for the Twins. So wait. But think back, of, if you're a Twins fan, think back of what you thought when you were watching Aaron Hicks hit like 170 oh, over yeah. and over. And think back of what yeah. you thought when they traded him. I championed the cause of keeping him because I believed in him. Well, you're a great baseball man. We Thank know you. that. But And try to apply that. Look, he's not the same as, as Byron Buxton. Their career pass may not go similarly at all. But yeah. the idea that you know a really good top prospect who struggles at the plate yep. for two or three years when they're 22, 23 years old, to give up on them I think is a mistake. We're definitely going to see Byron Buxton again in a Twins uniform, and he's going to make a positive impact if only on defense. Yeah. And so he, no, he, is he going to be the next Mike Trout? No. If that was your expectation for him, yeah. that ain't going to happen. But can he hit 250 with 20 homers and be a gold glove center fielder? If you didn't apply all these expectations 
to yeah. him previously, and they just called some guy up at 24, 25, yeah. and he turned into, you know, Devon White. You'd go, this is a great player. I love Devon this Devon White, Anaheimers. Yes, and Blue Jays, too. Faced the Twins a lot in the... Speaking of the Blue Jays, okay. I, I know said squad, like, I mean, it's 6 o'clock baseball, so, I mean, yeah. you know, pre, pre-Napoleon pre Grill, hot tubbing or whatever... I mean, this is prime sinkhole speculating yes. time, 6 p.m. It extends your uh, couch sitting by an hour. I mean, I know your Jays are down to Lewitsky and Donaldson. What in the, who in the hell are these players? They're rolling out there uh, to, to represent said franchise. Yeah, it's it, it's bad for them. And the, oh, my God. The thing I look at. With, and they tried the bullpen bit last night. And it was diseased. Right. They tried, yeah, they tried to get a little tricky with the pitching. And if you look at the Blue Jays. They're, I mean, think of trying to, if the Twins were in that division and we're having this kind of season, mm. think how much more sort of daunting the task ahead uh, would be. The Orioles are like 45 right. games behind the Red Sox in the win column. So if you're a Blue Jays fan or even worse, a Blue or a Orioles fan, how do you watch this and go, yeah. within three years, are we going to be competitive in this division when even the Rays are yeah. 500 or better and then you have the two monsters at the yeah. top? Like if you're an Orioles fan or a Blue Jays well, fan. Well, the monsters at the top always will be good because of money. Absolutely. And so imagine if instead of it being in the AL Central, even when the Twins were good, under Gardenhire, you know, 02 to 2010 or whatever, yeah. think of how things would have been different for them if they would have been in the AL East instead. Yeah. And well, we have a chance, don't you think? I mean, Barrios, cool. Um, and then all this money and Polanco, I believe in him. Sure, I don't want him to trade Escobar. I dig, I dig Presley. I still believe in Kepler. You know, we 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 have no choice but to wait for Buxton and Orsino. Yeah, Rosario's young. I mean, th- this no. is one of the more key off seasons coming up in the coming up in the last x amount of last x amount of decades of Minnesota Twins baseball. I agree because it's really the the front office will have been on the the job two years. But it's a clear roster. Yeah, they're having a chance to bring in their own guys yeah. and make bigger decisions than they did. You know, yes, they signed Logan Morrison and Lance Lynn, but those yeah. were just one-year deals. Yeah, adding a veteran guy to a team, a lot of them didn't work out. But yeah. this year will be any trades they make will be guys they're targeting. Any yeah. free agents they sign are probably going to be long-term deals. They also need to decide who do we want to sign long-term. Do we buy into Rosario being a guy we want around for six more years? I do. Or do you play year year to year with him? But I also yeah. think. I agree with you that the offseason is going to be huge. I think it's going to be very interesting. They got money to play around with. They got a lot of prospects. They have some young guys who have disappointed that they might look to move on from. Mm-hmm. And, but I also think the last two months of this season are going to be huge. Will Buxton and Sano get another chance this season? Yeah. Will it be August 15th and Sano, is he going to be batting fifth for the Twins playing first base DH? Does he get a chance to kind of get right before the end of this year and head into the offseason where they maybe have a little bit of confidence in Sano and or Buxton saying, okay, yeah. they're back to being building block guys? Because right now, you don't know what you're going to get from them as of opening day next year. Uh, thanks for what you did today, by the way. What did I do? Come in with a wrinkled shirt? No, you were in, you're your, welcome. Fe- you were in your feelings. And uh, for that, we thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Yep, you're a uh, scholar, a gentleman, and a connoisseur of quality Manischewitz. And for all of that, I love you. See you, Pia. Aaron Gleeman, editor-in-chief, Baseball Prospectus. Second half of the presentation around the corner. About an hour from now, ladies and gentlemen, wild defenseman Matt Dumba. It's 9 to noon. You're listening to P.A. One of the guys that I consider to kind of be an icon in the broadcasting, the sports broadcasting business, believe me, this is all my pleasure. It is great to be on with you. On the Fan. Programming on the Fan, brought to you in part by Prism Research. Break it down. Right now. 
KFAN.com at 41 minutes and 50 seconds past the hour. The producer is Nordo and the host is Paul Allen. We are located at the Bryant Heating and Cooling Studios. Blue skies for today. That's Nordo on lead vocals. Don't need no more lonely nights. We sing in harmony for profit. All the black and blues have made me And we do it Monday through Friday Yeah, they made me see the light That was Nordo's part Here's mine Down and out, but oh, we're dreaming Gonna dream of love to grow oh. Harmony I think the sun was in my eyes But this time the time won't pass me by Lucky on the second try Lucky on the second try But this time, the time won't pass me by News Denord. News Denord brought to you by Canterbury's Card Casino. Poker, blackjack, table games all year round. We know that the live racing schedule is in play right now. For all the dates, buck night, and everything over the weekends and such, get to CanterburyPark.com. Next week, we race Wednesday evenings. It's not tomorrow. This week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But in August, Canterbury has Wednesday night racing. It begins at 6.30. So we will race Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday nights, Saturday afternoons. No Sunday racing, live racing in August at Canterbury a week from tomorrow. Wednesday night racing, 630. Number one. Uh, we handled the Minnesota Twins in depth with the Twins Techies, so we can move on from that. But they're back at it today. They get swept by one of the worst teams in baseball, and now they're handling this uh, Tulowitzki and Josh Donaldson list, uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, to the NFL. I want to throw some names past you. Some guys that might be in either camp cut situations, camp trade situations, slash potential holdout situations. And the first one is a name in the division. His name, Amir Abdullah. He averaged 3.3 a carry last year. Has never eclipsed in his three seasons 600 yards rushing. Had some injury concerns in 2016, I believe. A bit of a threat to catch out of the backfield, but I think Theo Riddick has proven himself to be better at that. They have LeGarrette Blunt that they bring in. They draft rookie Carrion Johnson. They have the aforementioned Theo Riddick. Zach Zenner of local flavor in the mix as well. And then now Amir, who's owed roughly a million dollars with salary and roster bonuses in making the team that are not guaranteed. Your thoughts on that Lions running game, new head coach, and yeah. Amir Abdullah, maybe a, an odd man out here. That's a, a for the bit, for the purpose of the bit, great start. Uh, Amir Abdullah, I do not believe, will make the Detroit Lions. I think they will go with Blunt, the Auburn rookie, and Theo Riddick. So I, I actually think Zenner may be out too. Wow. E- Egan Zach Zenner. Uh, but with Amir Abdullah, whether it's injury related or, or, offensive direction by them not committing to the way he plays. It just hasn't worked for uh, the former Nebraska running back. So, yours truly believes Amir Abdullah on street a month and change from now. 
Uh, let's look at this gentleman, Earl Thomas, safety of the Seattle Seahawks. Another great name. So roughly a week ago, it's the let's get this money figured out or trade me. Yeah. You know, I love you guys. We want a Super Bowl together, but pay me or trade me. Yeah. Uh, he just turned 29. We know that uh, Richard Sherman has moved on and they're really trying to hang on or maybe even recreate a new yep. generation of the Legion of Boom. Cam Chancellor retired. He wants to get paid top safety tier money. Yeah. Now, teams that might snag him, because at this point, you have Pete Carroll and company saying he's on the roster. Yeah. We expect him to report to camp. He just turned 29. Yeah. Uh, what about the Cowboys? He's from Texas. Damn, he'd be great here. Holy cow. He would be unbelievable here. Yeah. Uh, the link that I'm looking at, though, call me crazy, defensive coordinator of the Los Angeles Chargers. His name is Gus Bradley. Yeah. He created the Legion of Boom, PA, when like he was that. defensive coordinator in Seattle. Yep. Before things went to Jacksonville, got negative. Now he's with the Chargers. Like it. Uh, there's a potential if they're unable to figure out this money and you got a 29-year-old big-timer that's holding out and creating distractions, yeah. team might be forced uh, to make a move. And uh, we know that uh, there are at least a couple of teams that could use his services, even including the Purple and Gold. Well, if, uh, if Earl... Uh, man, this is thick and meaty. If, uh, if Earl wants to leave, now, a lot of hits on that body. So Earl's name, big name, quality, quality safety, and I do believe he has high-end productivity left in his body. Uh, not exactly sure for how long, but but for next year, yeah, yeah, I'd say for sure he does. If you're Earl and you don't want to be in Seattle anymore, then you just decline whatever offer they put in front of you you know that they will cut you, and you have a side deal with whichever team for whom you want to play. So if it is the L.A. Chargers with Gus Bradley, then there would be sneaky conversations to which Earl obviously would be privileged, indicating, okay, well, if you play for the L.A. Chargers, here's what you're going to get. And it may be it may be like, fine, I want to go play for Gus. So it, um, it's been tenuous all offseason for Earl Thomas and the, and the Seattle Super Chickens. Uh, they've taken some hits all offseason, including Richard Sherman leaving and going to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, this definitely bears following. I can't make a prediction on whether I think he'll be traded or cut. My gut feeling is he won't play for Seattle next year. Hmm. Uh, this breaking this morning that Julio Jones will not be reporting to camp until he gets his contract Damn, reworked. Still with like two or three years left on his deal. He's got three years left. Now, all of those salaries, though, 10.5 this year, 12.5 next year, 11.4 in 2020, uh, they're not guaranteed until week one because he's a vested veteran. Yeah. Uh, so all the guarantees are out the window. But he's pissed off. He wants new money. I would, I'm, I'm not saying he's going anywhere. I think that's clear. They just need to make it right with number 11 again. Yeah. Uh, what I'm curious about, my last bit on this, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, $500,000 signing bonus with the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. Teddy's back. He's in the mix. He's healthy. Mm-hmm. But if he makes the Jets team, he's going to make $5 million, which yeah. makes him a top 10 player on the team in terms of salary. They're not cutting Josh McCown and his $10 million that they're giving him because of the leadership bit, and they know him and they love him. Yeah. Sam Darnold's the future of the team. Well, Hackenberg sucks. Hackenberg is was already out, went to Oakland, okay. and he's no longer, I don't think, with any team. Right. Oh, Bryce Petty. Bryce Petty, yeah. Yeah, that's what I And meant. he's My not bad. great either. But they're not going to pay a third quarterback $5 million. No. So do they potentially trade Teddy to teams like Jacksonville or Miami? 
the aforementioned Charger. I mean, you start looking at some teams like the Saints would love a backup if there's an issue with Drew Brees. Yeah. The Bengals would like a backup if they can't figure things out with Dalton and, of course, A.J. McCarron now. I mean, trading Teddy is uh, is a tiny little talker. Yeah, it makes sense to trade Teddy. And, and with McCown, you laid it out beautifully. It goes McCown into Darnold for now. And they're... I mean, the Vikings might might not even carry three quarterbacks, and we go Cousins into Simeon. So to pay one $5 million, it, it makes sense to trade him. You know, I think they probably took the flyer on him to see, so they could have his rights the entire offseason, take a look at him, watch him run around, and see, honestly, if it's worth cutting Josh McCown and going with Bridgewater into Darnold. Um, so maybe that's still the case, but um, I, I can't see him with the Jets at that price tag. Number two. Uh, Let's do this. Big Ten Media Days as we wrap up here. And uh, I wanted to throw a couple of things past you uh, concerning, first of all, the quarterback competition from our head coach, P.J. Fleck. Here's what he says. It's a two-horse race. Whoever wins the team and can lead the team better will play. Uh, That's what we need. This quarterback, who's going to be a redshirt freshman or a true freshman, it's either Zach or Tanner, has to be able to win the team. And the team has to be able to put their, you know, put their trust in them, and we'll go forward. Uh, more on this, uh, and in between Tanner and Zach, what he's referring to, redshirt freshman Tanner Morgan, 2016 Mr. Football finalist in Kentucky, yep. redshirted a year ago, or uh, Minnesota Zone, but he went to the IMG Academy in Florida, super special IMG Academy. Uh, Zach Anikstad. Oh, uh, he's a freshman, true freshman. Zach Anikstad. He's from here. Uh, I believe he's from Minnesota, okay. but went to high school down at the IMG Academy. Yeah, uh, in Florida. Uh, he says that uh, both will play this year in spots, and that the team itself will be very young this year. And when you look around, you see Ty Johnson as a wideout, and everybody else around him is a freshman or a true freshman or retro freshman. That's what I mean. Um, when most of your depth in the secondaries freshman when most of your depth at linebacker is freshman most of your depth at d-line gonna be freshman so and again next year we're gonna be young again not as young but we're gonna be young again and i know that sounds crazy and everybody wants to have the excuses we were young for three years at western michigan we finally became older and boom we hit it there it is uh from pj fleck of course uh justin guard i believe has been out covering a lot of the gopher media days and those things uh not only gopher but big 10 media days I had more audio. Well, let's do this real quickly before we go to break. Uh, New uh, head coach, Nebraska Cornhusters, formerly the head coach of Mike Hughes at UCF. Uh, He's all in on an eight-team playoff. But it's hard to look at last year's college football season and and not feel like an an eight-team playoff is where we should go, and that'll always be my opinion. I think it should be the five conference champions and three at-large teams. That would give a surprise conference champion uh, that plays well at the end of the season a shot. It might give a team like we had at UCF last year a shot. I think you could start that playoff earlier in December, not have to make the semifinal like a bowl experience. Um, that would allow the season to end about the same time that it does with the national championship game. I don't think it takes away from the regular season and the importance of those games. And uh, as great as the evolution of that playoff has been, I'm always going to be an ad- advocate for eight teams. Uh, That's head coach of uh, Nebraska, Scott Frost, who lit the fuse with Mike Hughes, the undefeated UCF Knights a year ago, but they didn't get even a sniff at the playoff mix. Uh, Had there been an 18 playoff, uh, his UCF Knights would have been, uh, of course, one of those squads. So uh, that all courtesy of Big Ten Media Days, and uh, and that's all I got for you. Open segment if anybody wants to call up, specifically on that uh, Josh Hader-related topic Lehman and I hit on an hour ago. 
we the I mean the, there were phone calls coming in, and um, you know we 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 don't generally take calls during those segments, but um, if uh, we piqued your interest in any way with um, what transpired over the weekend or recently with uh, Brewers reliever Josh Hader, seventeen year old negative tweets, standing ovation, Miller Park, Locaine forgives him, eight hundred three two zero five three two six six five one nine eight nine five three two six. Uh, with uh, Minnesota Vikings training camp beginning this week, any uh, Vikings training camp or team-related questions addressed here anytime, specifically now when we uh, have a few rare, o- a couple of rare open segments. Uh, Matt Dumba joins the radio show 45 minutes from now. But um, if you want to chat on the radio, really about anything, 800-320-5326, 651-989-5326. You're listening to The Fan. You're listening to PA. We're not Dunk City, but we're Dunk Township. On the fan. People want to chat in the covenant 800-320-5326-651-989-5326. Good morning. It's nine to noon. Zach in Lakeville, welcome to the radio show. Hi, PA. Huge fan. Hi, Zach. Thank you. Um, question about uh, how the all the online or TV football experts are, are most of them are saying how the Vikings are going to struggle from a slow start due to the offense having to mash and come together. Um, I was wondering, why is that any different from what everybody saw last year and the Vikings clearly had success with Case Keenum, even though he probably didn't get a lot of first-team reps? And why is that just uh, people hating on Kirk Cousins? Because that seems to be a lot of the problem sometimes. Or is that something different? Uh, Thank you. I can't speak for what others are saying, and quite honestly, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I'm watching ESPN last night, and they were teasing. They were previewing some big quarterback tiering thing that they're going to do. And and ESPN TV does a fantastic job, you know, specifically with the teases and laying out, hey, where's your favorite quarterback? How come Deshaun Watson's here and Kirk Cousins is here? You know, they had like Cousins middle of the pack. Okay, cool. Let's play the games and see what happens. Uh, so the opinions of those picking the Vikings second in the division, their opinions matter to me as much as mine matters to them which probably is little. Um, For those who are expecting a regression to whatever they deem the mean to be for the Minnesota Vikings, the the ammo that, that I get from people whose opinions I respect is a lot of things fell the way of the Vikings last year that just don't go a team's way year after year after year. And 
of course, the the cherry on top of the proverbial cake would be the Minneapolis miracle. I mean, seriously, the the the, the team was dead. The the team was a ninety eight percent loser. Um, and then the miracle, and and we go to Philly. So there's that. Secondly, a lot of defensive players, specifically the key players, stayed healthy for all or a majority of the season. Uh, thirdly, the quarterback was. 10 times better than anybody ever thought he could be and anything he ever displayed in Los Angeles, St. Louis, or Houston. That's a major credit to the offensive coordinator. Now, other side of it, they lose Bradford, they lose Cook, and they have to overcome that. They also had some offensive line injuries nearing the middle part of the season, Uh, the London game, the Twickenham game. Everson Griffin on on the final play of the game hurts his foot, and quite honestly, I don't think he's the same the rest of the year. So that's the other side of it too. But um, if if people are picking the Vikings second in the division, don't become offended. I mean, with Aaron Rodgers back, I, I'm not offended if somebody says Green Bay is going to win more games than the Vikings. I my personal belief is the Vikings are a better overall team than Green Bay. But Aaron Rodgers is in a handful of the best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. And embarrassing as it is for the Green Bay Packers organization, everybody saw last year when one guy goes down, what happens? It's a complete freaking wreck. It was an embarrassment. It was an absolute, utter embarrassment. So much so that they have a new general manager and the head coach may be on more of the cliched hot seat than even the fan base you know, wants to recognize. So let's let the uh, cliched chips fall where they may, and uh, don't become offended if somebody's else if somebody else's opinion has another team ahead of yours. Andy, good morning. Hello. Hey, what's up, bud? Am I on? Yeah, you're on the radio. How can I help you? Oh, cool. All right. So I just wanted to say um, I'm also a white boy from Minnesota, and uh, I just wanted to say you don't have to be black or gay to be offended by the comments that were on the tweets, you know, I agree. and, um, secondly, uh, you don't also have to be older than 17 to know what's racist and what's not. So I don't think that, uh, Brian. being 17 is an excuse for anything. Okay. So, so what do you do? Do you kill the guy? I mean, no, do you, I don't do kill the guy. Line him up against the wall and give him a Marlboro red and shoot him in the head. No, 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 no. You don't do that. You just move on. Yeah. You gotta expect, give him a second chance. But I mean, yeah. Making excuses for the guy is just uh, out of line, I'd say. I completely agree with you. You laid it out nicely. Thank you. Yep, thanks. Matthew in Wisconsin, good morning. T.A., how's it going? What's up, bud? uh, I'm from Wisconsin. I loved your take on the Packers, by the way. I agree with you completely. Um, As far as the uh, hater thing goes, he's cut loose. I'm sorry, if it was Aaron Rodgers that said that stuff, I'd cut him loose as well. I can't. I can't. I can't do that. I mean, with all due respect, and 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 obviously, I apologize. Hang on, let me interrupt you. Yeah, you need to take personal responsibility. Okay, these kids. Kids these days are not taking personal responsibility for themselves. And if you're going to say something like that, you can get cut right loose. I don't care. This is the best guy on the roster. Yeah, you're gone. He didn't. You're gone. Right. And and that and man, maybe truly that's what's in his heart. And that will that will bear its fruit over the course of time. Um, correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't believe he broke the law. You know, I I don't I don't believe what he what he did was embarrassing, and obviously it was incredibly offensive. Uh, but but 
I, I don't, I don't, I don't kick him off the team. I give him a chance to find forgiveness and help others in similar spots. I, I can see your sympathy, man, but I have codes. Right. I don't stand up for that anymore, man. Right. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Thank, thank you. And I'm a white boy too, by the way. Right. What up, man? So hater topic's a little fiery, Oof. isn't it? No, I, and I mean, in the end, you can't. I mean, I can't hate on people who say he should lose his job. I mean, the things that he said. Yeah. You know, and and you can you, you could maybe go the dumbass seventeen year old route. I mean, I remember. Well, he it, didn't do it while he was part of my organization. If he if he does it while he's representing our colors, then he's representing our colors and our team and our fan base, and then you're out. No, well, it's, see, I, I look at it. I look at it differently. I mean, now nowadays, and maybe you know the you you do what you do on social media. The fact that it can be recorded and grabbed later, yeah, you know, you come back and years later, people are fired from their jobs all the time. Because you passed a background check, but you didn't mention this DWI or this drug conviction from eight years ago. Yeah. It comes up, it becomes an issue, and that's potentially bad for the company. Sorry, love your work. Yeah. You got to go. Now, in this particular case, I mean, it's if, if he's able to, you know, if, if his teammates, Low Kane and those guys yeah. are comfortable working with him. Yeah. And he has proven during his short tenure with them and continues to prove that those tweets were born of immaturity and stupidity and he's able to show that that's no longer uh like you said in his heart uh then uh if the if the team chooses to keep him I'm not offended by that. Well, I'm rehabilitation guy. Okay. Yes, so me too. I'm not, I'm not going to go down the the spiritual road of I don't judge in my world. I'm not the one to judge. Okay, that's my world. Okay, where there's only one who judges and it's not me. However, I do believe in Somebody making a mistake, and this was not breaking the law. Somebody made an egregious mistake when they were not part of my organization. It now has come out. We now have to deal with it, learn truly who the individual is, seek rehabilitation, seek forgiveness, and seek ways to help others. Correct. So that, hey, if if that's, you know, you're soft, Paul. When somebody does something like that, I'm I'm one and done guy. That's it. You're done. Okay? I'm not like that. Neither, neither am I. No, I, I don't want to dagger people uh, and end their careers. That guy should never work in baseball again. If he went on Twitter at age whatever and said, I raped somebody, he's out. Okay? That, that be, he broke the law. I mean, we're, we're looking, we're, we're, we're looking at, at, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong here. Maybe I didn't read the, t- the tweets closely. Enough. He did not break the law, right? I don't believe that he did. Yeah, no. I mean, I looked at a few of them. Um, but I think I think I have enough of the essence of the story. Racist related rhyming, right? Was the uh, and gay bashing. There was some yeah. gay bashing. Yeah, in and there. it's embarrassing and it's awful. It's awful. And, yeah, and, and and people shouldn't even joke about it, even just in jest or in joking. But nevertheless, I you know uh, that that's the pro- that's the process I would take. I mean, when I'm not going to judge the fans because I wasn't at the game. I don't know what I don't know what led up to it. You know, like his run out from the bullpen and stuff like that. If I'm at that game and I'm a Brewers fan, I'm not standing and cheering. But I also don't boo. You know, when I go to games, I don't boo. Even I don't even boo the adversary. I don't understand the ovation. You know, he's not he's not walking to the mound right. as a hero. But again, I'm not judging. That fan base and those who cheered. Well, I'm actually I'm I'm open to questioning why the hell you're giving the standing ovation. 
I know in a, in very tearful fashion he apologized to his teammates. Yeah. His teammates have now publicly come to his defense. Yeah. I, I'm open to wondering and questioning Fair. what the hell you're doing in Miller Park. Absolutely agree. innovation. It's preposterous. I love what Gleeman said. I mean, Absolutely if, agree. If, if you're black, if you're if you're gay, and you're sitting there trying to enjoy a Brewers game, yeah. and again... But even if you're white. Even, even yeah. if you're white... It's and, a good point. You don't have to be... Right. Know, yeah. I mean, it's... it's it, the. The negative nature of it is embarrassing in its own right. Yes. But I mean, again, if this, if, if I'm part of the Brewers organization and this pops up around the All Star game, now I got to deal with it. Yeah. Okay, cool. It needs to be dealt with. Um, why did you do what you did? Okay. Uh, well, here's where we're going to go from here. Um, you're going to apologize. You're going to assist these agencies, whether you want, it, want to or not. You're going to do this. You're going to continue to assist others, and it doesn't necessarily have to be blacks or or gays or whatever. Sure. You are going to philanthropically assist those in need, arguably more than anybody in the history of the Milwaukee Brewers organization. And, and I want you to accept that. And we are going to continue to rehabilitate. your. I, I don't care about your image. I care about the organization's image. And you just you even though you weren't part of us then you just embarrassed the hell out of all of us. So now you got to fix the clubhouse. Uh, you got to talk to your teammates. You got to talk to your coaches. You quite honestly, there needs to be a private uh, a private apology and explanation within the organization. Yeah. So we're getting every staff member we have. We're getting together here. There will be no phones, no videotaping, nothing. And you're going to apologize and explain what you did. Then we're going to go public with it, and we're going to begin the rehabilitation from there. You think that sounds good or dumb? No, I, I think that's good. I mean, I don't like using the term rehabilitation. I mean, it's either it, it, the the tweets and the verbiage that he used, or it's it's either part of his personal philosophy. Yeah, you know, believing that those are terms that yeah. are requisite of being used. But to... I use rehabilitation because if it is in his heart and who he is, it is the organization's belief that you need rehabilitation. You need to rehab from being a racist. Oh, that's fair. But upon but if but if they're sitting down, they're like, no, this kind of you know these tweets we saw in 2012. It kind of reminds me of the time three months ago in the bullpen when he was saying X Y Z, you know, yeah, Q and things. Right. Uh, then they need to dump him. Then I mean, then then you right. just move on. But if to your point, if he's sitting down and you know it's not in his heart, and you you understand, uh, not understand, but you're you're willing to to buy into the stupidity and immaturity of those moments and willing to give them a second chance. That's what I'm looking for. I, I am like you. I, I don't think you dagger someone's life and career uh, because of independent, stupid mistakes of the past. Uh, but if it's a trend, then then see you later. Griffin, Derek, uh, Rick already on hold. Anybody else want to join on this topic or a preview of Vikings training camp? 800-320-5326, 651-989-5326. It's the fan. You're listening to PA. I was like, oh my God, he tweeted me. What am I going to do? But then I was like, well, I can't. I don't know. So I'm still thinking. On the fan. Hello, baby, hello. Haven't seen your face for a while. Just as a heads up, you know that it's training camp ticket Tuesday. And it's presented by Quick Rewards by Quick Trip. It's four packs of VIP tickets to the Quick Trip Red Zone at Vikings Training Camp at TCO Performance Center. And I'm going to, before the end of the show, 
And maybe by the end of this segment, I'm going to give away a total of two four-packs of VIP tickets. So stay tuned to the stretch run. Of course, Matt Dumba just signed the deal with the Minnesota Wild. That's next segment. So lots of reasons to keep it here, 9 to noon, Training Camp Ticket Tuesday. segment we always are in search of harmony griffin minneapolis good morning good morning how you doing pa hi griffin how are you well thanks how are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Thank you. What's up? Just wanted to talk bikes. Uh, happy that it's Ticket Tuesday. Would love to win those as well. Excited that it's not in Mankato. Never made it down there. But, yeah, wanted to know what expectations are with uh, the running back situation. What Delvin would, Cook year two. Yeah, what would you like them to be? I mean, Delvin Cook would be It'd be great to see a huge year out of him. But yep. I'm a big Latavius guy. Uh, Latavius Murray on the 9 to Noon radio show sometime tomorrow in the middle portion of the show. Uh, now, Cook and Murray on team. C.J. Ham, I believe, most likely on team. Uh, but I do believe that there is a nifty training camp battle for third running back. And there, there's a veteran named Mac Brown who played in Washington with Kirk Cousins. I don't make him favored. I make uh, Boone. I make Mike Boone from uh, Cincinnati the lukewarm favorite to win the third running back spot. Undrafted guy too, really, really good at uh, rookie camp. Really fit in well in the off season. Then you have uh, uh, Kobe McCrary and um, and the um, uh, the potential for him to not only join this race but um, but to also uh, find a spot on the practice squad. What do you want me to do with this that you just put on the screen? We can announce it now, or oh, okay. Uh, Vikings have okay. Friday, Friday is not a training camp day. No, the veterans report. Here's what it here's what it says. There yeah. there is training camp practice for the rookies and quarterbacks. Oh, so people can come out and watch that. Uh, they were able to okay. until they canceled Friday's practice yeah. because they're going to be attending the Tony Sperano memorial service. Yep, that's an all-day situation, too. Indeed. Yep, so um, for those of you who, if you were able to, planning on going to Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center on Friday, uh, training camp practice uh, has been canceled for the uh, Tony Sperano Memorial. Uh, that'll, that That is this Friday. So that that's kind of the way the running back situation shakes out for me as of now into tomorrow, where uh, 9 to noon will be at uh, TCO Performance Center for uh, rookies and quarterbacks. Jamar, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Park, good morning. Hey, what's going on, my man? How what's are you? up? Good to hear from you. Thanks, man. You know, listen, I'm I'm with you. I'm a rehabilitation guy, too. But I think uh, uh, racism and bigots are a totally different uh, ball game, man. I think uh, we racism, bigotry, is, is a taught and learned behavior. And so I'm not so willing to justify for him because he was 17. I think he obviously at 17, you're still making 
uh, mature enough, but sometimes immature decisions. That what worries me is the people that he surrounded himself then as a young man and the people he surrounded himself then. It always bothers me when an organization knows it's about a certain player and they go ahead and draft a player cheap, i.e., uh, Philadelphia, how they handled the situation with their uh, – uh, Riley, Riley Cooper. Exactly. Yeah. And, they, and what was more insulting is they sent right. this guy away for the weekend and thought that that was uh, suffice for him having some type of sensitivity and culture training. You know, we've got to have honest dialogue, even in the realm of sports, about racism and how it happens. Yeah. And we can't justify for people like this. Now, listen, I would be willing to work with the young man. But see, Jamar, off what you said about the conversation being needed, I think somebody like this who is high profile made an, did something embarrassing and still is high profile. I think you need people like Josh Hader in those meetings to, to get to the root of why you did what you did so you, you can have somebody who did it and you can be like, okay, the teaching point now is to teach those how to avoid it. But, P.A., see, the, my problem is I don't trust people like that. I mean, David Duke himself uh, uh, said that he, too, had found God and no longer was a racist or a bigot. Those people, those type of people scare me. And so I don't know if he can teach anyone anything other than – and sometimes it feels like they're blowing smoke up, uh, up your rear ends because they know that they got caught. Yeah, but, and they're only sorry because they got caught sometimes. But, J- but I understand. But, Jamar, I need to know who he is now. Not not who he was then. Okay, that happened then, and here we are now. I I need my development people, my my team psychiatrists, if I have them, friends. I need I need to figure out who he is now. Before maybe that's who he is forever, and then if that's the case, then we gotta we gotta go in a different direction. I mean, I agree with you. That's why I said I would be willing to work with the young man to see where at. I want to see what he's doing done and what he's doing since that happened you know apologies are just words it's sentiments and deeds that he has to put into action to show his sincerity uh, for his actions beautifully stated have a good week all right thanks man mike in burnsville good morning michael chris in minneapolis good morning hello Hey, how you doing? You're on the radio. Hi, guys. Um, I just had a quick question, and to be kind of cynical about um, the death of Tony Sperano, mm-hmm. do you think that kind of inspiration or that adversity is something that the Vikings need to kind of push them along during the season and give them that extra oomph? No, I don't. I see what you're saying. You know, win a Super Bowl for Sperano, I don't believe will be a public mantra for the team this year, win a title for Tony. I don't um, I don't see that coming. I don't want to say that they need it either. Yeah, yeah. Certainly not rooting for that type of required motivation. Yeah, I mean, in, in, in 2000, the Vikings went to the NFC title game. In 2001, they had a very good team into training camp. You know, Cor- Corey Stringer died into the regular season, and it was on the minds of, and in the hearts of everybody the entire season. Every, everything went amiss, and um, and the coach got fired. And Mike Tice took over final game of the season. So 
I don't, um, no, I don't believe it will be privately or publicly used as motivation to like get 13 wins to 14, 11 to 12, or whatever. But um, he will be in the hearts and in the minds of everybody intimately involved with that team the entire season. Robert, good morning. Good morning. How are you, sir? What's up? Um, let's get back to the hater thing for a second. Um, there's two problems with the situation. First off, like you said, he could have been a stupid kid at 17, but what was around him that made him think that it was cool to make that statement? You know what I mean? And has he learned since then, yeah. or maybe since he's come into the league? Because I did some checking. The guy already does pretty well with putting money on his community and things like that. So it's not something that he has to start doing. It's something he has to continue to do to get better at. Okay, you know? yep. And the other thing is the team, nor him, said anything to the fans about, hey, stand up and uh, cheer for me or anything like They did that on their own. Right. And people are acting like it's him who said, hey, come out and stand up for me. Come out and show support for me. And he didn't. Yeah. You know, these are just a bunch of stupid fans in Wisconsin, which drives me nuts because I'm a Packer fan. They were just stupid fans making a – you know, it's stupid mistake. Yeah, but I'm gonna tell you this right now. I mean, it's I'm guessing it's my gut feeling. I believe if it, 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 I gotta let you go, man. That's too loud. If um, if it is unveiled what he said, it goes public. There's backlash. He apologizes. Then he pitches. Duh. Maybe I'm wrong here. I think every single home market in Major League Baseball reacts the way Miller Park did. It, it may not be as vociferous. It may not be as wide-ranging. It may not be as loud. I think every home market reacts the way Miller Park did. Maybe I'm wrong. Rick, good morning. Hey, guys. How you doing? What's up? Hey, PA, you're the best in the business. You, uh, the lifeline from uh, Akron to Minneapolis is great. Been rooting for the Vikings. Been in the covenant for my virtually my entire life, and you're amazing. My man, I love you. Thank you. You and Wabi, great together. Mm-hmm. Um, December has not been a very kind month over the years for the Vikings, and I'll give you a little uh, taste of what I've gone through as a Vikings fan. My birthday just happens to be on December 28th. Mm-hmm. What two fateful events happened to the Vikings in December, that date in 1975 and then 2003? Yeah, 03 were at Sun Devil Stadium. I remember that. 75 helped me. That was the uh, that was the uh, the immaculate uh, or the hail mary from uh, Roger Staubach. Right. Do you have access to your birth certificate? You might want to change your birthday to twelve twenty seven. But yeah, I, I was fourteen years old in seventy five, and right. I don't remember how old I was in 03, But but I really pre, you know you called that 03 game, and that was that, that was a tough one. What I want to ask is, I'm like a lot of Vikings fans concerned about their LB depth and. Michael Kendricks, and I didn't hear much in the Covenant reported about this, came out saying, I want to play the Vikings, love to be with my brother. Then when it was reported by Ian Rappaport that he had signed with the Browns, he came out vehemently against it. Chris Thomason called him. He hung up on Chris Thomason. And then he subsequently, a day later, it's announced he's with the Browns. What gives with that? What happened? Thank you. Um, with Michael With Michael Kendricks, when he became available, I, I never thought he fit. I mean, because of the money that Michael requires, and the fact that his brother Eric and Barr play all the nickel, 
I just I didn't see a spot for Michael. Now, if Michael was going to take a veteran's minimum and and be willing to play just a few reps during the game, during games, then yeah, then by all means, let's at least bring him in for this time of the season. Linebacker depth is a major question for this team, and you know that's why when Bar and Bar and Diggs, they're under contract, but they're they're unsigned. Um, you know, at the end of this year, it's been a major talker. That that's why when when I was on a a South Dakota radio show yesterday, and and I've chatted about it before, when pressed on it a little bit, it's it's very much a fifty fifty situation for me. Which which player should be re-signed and or why if you can only have one. And I think they're both really good, and they were excellent draft picks by the GM. You know, but the identity of this team is that of defense, and the depth at wide receiver uh, compared to the depth at linebacker. You know, Thielen, Diggs, Treadwell, and and then you got some youngsters on the horizon. From a linebacker standpoint, uh, you, I mean, if Kendricks or Barr miss a long stretch of games, that could be a major, major problem. When Diggs misses games, you run. <laughs> you, you you run the ball or you throw to the other guys. If Kendricks and or Barr misses games, you know the the super special war wins above replacement. I I I can't imagine that that would be a very good number. And you can certainly identify those players eat more easily on defense because the offense is dictating what the defense does. That's why if you lose digs for a patch of games, the offense can change things to work around it during said patch. It's a very interesting question. I didn't think there was room for him specifically at his price tag. Uh, Matt Dumba, defenseman for the Minnesota Wild, joins us around the corner. But first, a giveaway. It's giveaway time because it's training camp ticket Tuesday presented by Quick Rewards, but Quick Trip. And uh, I need a caller right now to answer an easy trivia question for me. Uh, Minnesota Vikings training camp makes its inaugural visit to TCO Performance Center in Egan. I want to know, though, go way back, way back. What was the last year the Vikings training camp took place in Bemidji? First person to let me know that answer is getting a four-pack of VIP tickets to the Quick Trip Red Zone at Vikings Training Camp at TCO Performance Center in Egan. Thank you, Quick Trip. Call 651-989-5326, 800-320-5326. Matt Dumba next, 9 to noon. You're listening to PA. Get some beers, get some whatever, <laughs> and start celebrating. On the Fan. I can't wait, I can't wait until tomorrow Cause tomorrow might very well be too late I can't wait, I can't wait until tomorrow Cause tomorrow could never come Hey! But I pray them all comes But it could be too late I'm ready to smile But for a long while Wouldn't take much to get me down While we await the arrival Of While we await the arrival Of Matt Dumba um, you're uh, Minnesota United. Yeah. My sources tell me your team R is hot. Red hot. On absolute fire. Nine-point week. That's three victories uh, in the last eight days. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, four of their last five resulted in W's. Mm-hmm. So 12 out of their last 15 possible points. They've snagged it. It's put them right back in the thick of the playoff mix. Yeah. And uh, they have an opportunity to uh, to jump themselves right back into it again uh, this Saturday with uh, with Vancouver on the road. So. Uh, jump back into what? Into the playoffs, into the sixth spot. So uh, for those who don't follow it, like me, where are we in the season? Uh, what uh, what are the keys to making the postseason? If you do make the playoffs, what happens from there? Okay, well, at uh, this point, they've played, I believe, 21 or 22 matches. There's 34 in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the top six teams in each conference uh, will go through to the uh, to the postseason. Right now, they're in the seventh spot. Yeah. And so the key is, is they've had trouble. They're one and eight on the road this year. That's a massive L. All right. So they got to get points on the road at Vancouver. And then they got to go to coming up. There's Dallas in the mix. There's LA Galaxy. Six of their next seven are on the road. Yeah. And so winning on the road, getting goals on the road is going to be the biggest key to that. Uh, once they get into the playoffs, of course, the one-out situations and such, they're on their own after that. But uh, Win road games, that's the key. Yeah, and uh, one thing that I was going to get into at 10.55 today, but we started taking phone calls, uh, maybe later in the week, is Darwin Quintero, uh, or Quintero, or Quintero, the Colombian star for the United, and uh, sports snobs potentially missing out on um, a legitimate uh, a legitimate star in this market. Speaking of uh, emerging stars in the market, there's this guy. Now Jewel Erickson Eck gives for Daniel Winnick. Winnick cycles it off the left wall, drops it off for Dubba. Shoots, he scores! Long wrister by Dumba. It's 3-1 Minnesota. And Matt Dumba joins us now off that new five-year deal. He's 23 years of age. He turns 24 tomorrow. So, Matthew, an early happy birthday to you from all of us here at The Fan. Thank you. I, uh, I appreciate it. Would it, uh, would it any way have been cooler to close on this new deal tomorrow on your birthday? I mean, if, the, the new deal is unbelievable. Birthdays are great, too. But imagine if you had gotten this new deal on your birthday. Talk about icing on the cake, man. Uh, yes and no. I, I, I just spent the last, uh, last weekend out in Kelowna and BC kind of on a little vacation with my family. So, uh, it was it was perfect just being there with them and uh, being able to enjoy that and share that with them. Any big birth? And, any and big now, any big birthday plans tomorrow? Uh, I'm not sure what my uh, what my friends got cooked up for me, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fun. How about this, man? Uh, in doing some research, you got cut from Team Canada in the World Juniors in 2012. Cut again in 2013. 2014, you played with the Wild, then got sent back to the juniors. During all of that time, did you ever think we'd be at this moment we're at right now? Um, you know, I was, you know, I, I in those situations, I was, uh, you know, I was a double underage. I was underage the one year too, and I was with a lot of, uh, I was with a lot of great players at that time, and. Um, you know, I had that confidence and belief in myself that I was always going to keep growing. And, uh, you know, some of us panned out, some of us didn't. And, you know, I'm standing on uh, on a pretty good side right now. Uh, what uh, To whom much is given, much is expected. What can Wild fans expect from you next season? Um, I want to keep growing on, you know, kind of where I left off the end of the season. Um, 
my my game was um, as good as it's ever been, and um, I was just real focused. Um, I, I saw plays, uh, you know, kind of slowing down for me, and I, I kind of realized, you know, this is, you know, this is the the type of player that I'm going to be moving forward, and um, hopefully, just being able to make those plays uh, for my teammates, put them in, you know, good scoring opportunities, and when I have chances, uh, I'm going to definitely capitalize. How about that, man? I mean, not not much was great in that Winnipeg, Winnipeg ser- series. I thought you were absolutely fantastic. Honestly, I'm a casual hockey guy, but I watch all the games. I thought it was the most consistent and best you'd ever played in your career. Last year, you played every game and had a, a career-best 14 goals. How much did your game change in the postseason with Ryan Suter down? Um, definitely. You know, it sucked having uh, suits, suits out for that series because I know he would have made a big difference. Um, you know, so I, I was just trying to step up, kind of fill that void and um, you know, he plays a lot of minutes and, you know, in doing so, you know, you have to, uh, you have to be positionally sound, um, you know, reliable. You can't be taking, um, you can't be taking, uh, crazy chances, but when you do got opportunities to make plays, um, like I said, you kind of, you got to seize those. And, uh, you know, we, we tried as, as tough against, against a, you know, really good Winnipeg team with, uh, with, a lot of the injuries we had, I know a lot of guys are playing through injuries too. It just seemed like we couldn't catch a bouncer. In the end, I guess they're all kinds of excuses, but, uh, yeah. you know, we're, we're better for it. And, uh, you know, our team is, ever since I've been here, we've been in playoffs and, and the more and more experience we, we get, I think it, it furthers us and it's just going to take, it's going to take one of these years or, um, you know, everything's going to click for us the opposite way and, and it's, things are just going to happen. And, uh, you know, we're going to work for those, for those opportunities and, uh, hopefully it's very soon. Matt, do you think next season in any way you'll have to guard against trying too hard to live up to the contract you just were given? Um, obviously it's, um, it is a lot. You, you know, you have these expectations. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm already, you know, I'm already uh, very hard on myself. Uh, you know, take it upon myself to, you know, always, always bring my best game, and uh, I think, uh, I think I'm going to be just fine, uh, and I think I'm ready for that challenge. So I'm very excited on uh, these upcoming years, and uh, just trying to be the best I can for my teammates. What, uh, what do you do during the off season to stay sharp? Uh, lots of training. I, uh, I, uh, I'm on the ice. I'm on the ice uh, a couple times a week now and starting to get back into, into that. And, uh, then it's just other things, you know, taking it, taking your mind off hockey, you know, hockey all year round and, uh, you gotta enjoy it a little bit. So, uh, I like being on the lake, uh, like playing about any, any type of, uh, game with, uh, with my friends, any, anything competitive. Whether it's uh, spike ball, football, basketball, uh, it seems to uh, always get pretty intense between me and my buddies. But I wouldn't have it any other way. When you get up, when you get the security you received, when you get the deal you got, Matt, is it in any way embarrassing or weird when you get a deal like that? You know what I mean? Um. I, I do know what you mean. Like it's kind of awkward. It's kind of awkward. <laughs> like 
just coming into that, and you know, my <laughs> friends are all like, 23, and my little my little brother is 20, and got all of his buddies hanging out, and mm. uh, it's it's kind of awkward, but you know, those those guys have been my friends all my life, and you know, I and same with my family. You know, it's not going to change um, the person I am. Good. Um, yeah, I think it will just uh, let us all have maybe a little bit more fun in, in different ways. Yeah, uh, from here on out. Where um off the early stages of your career, and again, you're going to be 24 tomorrow, man. So uh, the the best is yet to come, ain't no doubt about that. But where do you feel you need to improve? Um, I think everyone's just you know you're constantly trying to improve. Like the um, my defensive side of things I think you can always get better at that um, you know as a as a young defender uh, I didn't really you don't really you don't really learn that game I guess until you get to that NHL uh, and, and realize what it what it takes to you know, go against some of you know the smartest guys in the league and play against first second lines uh, guys who you know have that experience uh, so I think that comes with experience and you know, it's forever just, you know, growing. Uh, I think improvement in uh, improvement in just reading, reading that scenario of the game. Yeah. Uh, what time to, you know, make plays, uh, take risks, when, when not to, when to keep it simple. But all of that has come with experience. And uh, it, I, I see myself, it's, it's cool to see yourself uh, uh, you know, from watching video or just you, you know, you know how you uh, how you developed um, individually. So it, it's been cool for me to see myself grow, and I just want to continue trending in that direction. Last one. Um, I have Jordan Leopold in studio Thursday. What do you remember about watching Leo when you lived in Calgary and playing with him here? Uncle Leo, uh, I remember him being a whole lot faster when he was in Calgary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, Leo, that's uh, yeah, that's Uncle Leo to me. He's uh, he's he's awesome. When I came, when I played with him, I was uh, he had fourteen years on me, and <laughs> I had uh, fourteen years on his son. So it was it was pretty it was pretty cool uh, relationship we developed, and um, you know he's. Throughout this, throughout everything, uh, he's been a humbling presence for me. Even when I was in the league at you know twenty, uh, playing with him, he's a, he's a great family man, and you know, learned a lot from him. Uh, you know, just how to just how to handle your business uh, and be a pro. He's uh, he's a good dude. So you'll you'll have fun Thursday. Uh, Matt, congratulations on the security. Best of luck and happy birthday. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Matt Dumba, defenseman for the Minnesota Wild. I'm Paul Allen. From the Bryan Heating and Cooling Studios, tomorrow we are at TCO Performance Center uh, with some Vikings conversation from training camp. Here's Nordo to put a wrap on the show. Thanks to the Paddy Wagon for the 9 to Noon Show wraps. And stay tuned because I'm about to drop a trivia question for a four-pack of tickets to training camp, baby. Happy Tuesday, one day in front of the life changer. QB1, we act like he was born in a manger. Will he attract gold, frankincense, and myrrh? A Lombardi trophy would be just fine, too, I'm sure. So what the hell were Brewer fans thinking? 
Too much time in the parking lot, pregame drinking, all the hater hating, sparking debate, social media complication. Your answer is to dial up a standing ovation. Trivia time before I go quick. Thanks to Quick Rewards, four-pack to training camp. Call quick. Vikings have played the pack lines and bears. Great records we boast. In team history, who have the Vikings played the fourth most? Fourth most games played, Vikings versus this team in team history. 651-989-5326, 800-320-5326. Thanks, as always, to Quick Trip and Quick Rewards. It's training camp ticket Tuesday, 9 to noon. And tomorrow, that's where we originate, TCO Performance Center in Egan. Thank you. The Minneapolis Listen back to a podcast of today's show. Visit the Paul Allen channel on the iHeartRadio app or go to KFAN.com.